Thank you for joining us on another edition of the Comics Pals Book Club. Of course, we are the Comics Pals, and today we are going to be talking about Falcon. Squaw! Does Falcon sound like <laughs> No? Close. Uh, I, don't, you- I don't know if this Falcon sounds like that. <laughs> well, Red Wing, though. Red, yeah, Red Wing, yes. Okay. Um, but we're not just talking about Falcon. We're also talking about Captain America. <gasps> what? I'll do you one better. As it turns out, they're the same person. Not uh, what? No, no, oh my no, God. no. That will not stand. Not my Captain America. <laughs> wow. It would be Phil. He kills jobs after all. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would have expected it from Kale before you, Phil. That's but why he's not here. It was a protest. <laughs> Fair enough. I guess it had to be one of us. <laughs> so in 2014, uh, Marvel decided that they were going to be making Sam Wilson, Captain America. Um, this is a very, very interesting time. In Marvel's history, this is a time when they really were shuffling around the deck chairs in a major way. Uh, they took Tony Stark off the board. Uh, they took, obviously, Steve Rogers off the board, made him old. Um, Thor became, well, Thor was still Thor, but there was also Jane Foster who was Thor. Uh, so, And then, of course, Wolverine was off the board and Laura McKinney, X-23, was now uh, Wolverine. So a lot of things were going on at the same time. Was that also when Amadeus Cho was Hulk? Yep. Yep. Uh, Lots of change, and there were a lot of people who were upset about it, but this was a fun time in Marvel's history. And I had a blast reading it at the time and rereading it for today. We are going to be talking about all new Captain America 1 through 6 by Rick Remender and Steve Eminen. We'll, we'll briefly touch on that. But the meat of what we're actually going to be dealing with in this episode is Sam Wilson, Captain America by Nick Spencer and several different artists who we'll discuss along the way. Uh, issues 1 through 24 and then 25 is kind of an interesting issue. I'll explain why it is later. There's so much to talk about with this character, especially right now, given the Falcon Winter Soldier uh, television show on Disney+. Plus, um, There are so many characters here who you see there, and you can definitely tell that there was a lot of inspiration taken from this run for that show. So we're going to get into all of that here in just a moment, but before we do that, I want to let you guys know that we are the Comics Pals. If you are new to us, we put out a weekly podcast every single Monday where we talk about the news of the industry, the characters that you know and love in all the different places you can find them, whether they be the shows, the movies, and of course the comics. Uh, We also talk about the business side of this thing we love called comic books. Uh, Every single week we put out a podcast called We Watched about Falcon and one about Invincible uh, while those shows are running. And then when they're not, we'll talk about other shows. That's just kind of what we do around these parts. And we put out book clubs just like this one. Uh, We've got a ton of them in the backlog, the most recent one prior to this being Invincible, so you can see we're staying thematic here. Uh, (laughs) And if you look at our backlog and you do not find a book for you, a book you like, write in, let us know, and we will do one just for you. You put your request in, we will honor it. That's the Comics Pals Challenge. Like the video, share it with your friends. 
leave us a rating or a review or a follow wherever it is that you're listening to us. We thank you so much for joining us. And without further ado, let's talk about the Falcon. Now, uh, I'm going to turn it over to you guys in just a moment, but I do want to set the stage because I think it's important to add context for why Sam Wilson is Captain America. Rick Remender had a uh, controversial run on Captain America. He picked up the baton after Ed Brubaker. One of the things he did was he sent Captain America to a different dimension. And there he uh, was with Sharon. They had a child. They raised a child. They didn't birth. She didn't birth and they raised him. And um, he got old. He aged there. Time passed. He got really old. He lost the super soldier serum. Bad stuff. Uh, but he came back and he decided he couldn't do it anymore. He's old and Sam Wilson is now Captain America. But he's different. Uh, he is the Captain America for the social media generation. He speaks directly to the people. He's a man of the people in a lot of ways that Cap, uh, Steve Rogers' Cap isn't. He's on the ground. He's speaking to everyday Americans. And he's regularly in contact with them through his video series. So lots of differences for this Cap. Um, and of course, lots of challenges that are unique to him. People don't want him to be Captain America, partially because they miss Steve, partially because they're racist. Uh, so there, a lot of that stuff is handled throughout this run, both on the part of Nick Spencer and Rick Remender. Let's jump into it. Did everyone here get to read the uh, all-new Captain America stuff? I did not. not read it. I didn't get a chance to read that stuff. Okay, cool. Um, so I will I will broad strokes that piece of this. Um, but before we talk about it, how do you guys feel about what you did read? Nick Spencer's run, the themes that were tackled, and the very idea of Sam Wilson being Captain America. The timing of this, of course, very important and special. Barack Obama was the president at the time. Lots of people saying, not my president. You can see the inspirations. How do you guys feel about this? It's crazy we're even talking about it like it uh, is the past because it was, but it feels like this just kind of happened. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think of this as being a, a contemporary run, and it's kind of shocking to realize that it was actually so long ago now. It uh, it didn't feel as long ago, I guess, for me. It, it just kind of like... Um, brought up the same sort of feelings that you had and I had at that time period in terms of like what was going on in in the world and in the states as it relates to the topics that get discussed you know race um policing etc so it felt like um uh, it felt like 2021 <laughs> <laughs> it felt like 2021 but yeah I, it felt like a refresher and if that makes any sense like yeah this is just like oh this is what happened and do you remember that and I think um, I definitely felt like it was well crafted in the way that it handled those themes. Okay. I, uh, I appreciate this run. And you know, what's interesting is I feel like with Spencer here, I feel like he's drawing on, uh, he's drawing from a lot of civil rights, uh, stuff from the sixties when he's writing this. That's my impression. However, I feel like so much has happened since this was published that it wouldn't be hard for him to draw on um, the Black Lives Matter movement, for example, to write something like this now, just because of so much has happened since uh, 2015, 2016, 2017. 
Um, and the thing that's, you know, the reason why I say it feels like it's not that long ago is because uh, everything that's happening in the publication of this book is happening now. Um, it, it's it's kind of crazy, but to answer the other part of your question, I'm all about Sam Wilson as Captain America. And there's moments where I think uh, Spencer does a really good job of expressing why, uh, what kind of separates him from Steve and why that he needs to be Captain America. There's one quote where he talks about how Steve was a Captain America looking to the future. Sam is a Captain America making sure no one's left uh, behind, basically. And I was like, this is this is why we're doing this. Yeah, so I I definitely agree with um with what you laid out there, Phil, and and I feel like that was what I connected with the most in the series, I think, was like its its themes, the themes that it explored, I think it explored well. And um, I think that something that I know I'm at least often critical of <clears throat> when we when we do evaluate kind of how a run looks at a, at a theme like this through superheroes is that a lot of times it will suggest themes, but not actually explore them. And I think that um, what what Spencer does really well here is establish the themes he wants to talk about through Sam, but then reinforce them with every other character that plays a major role in the plot. Good supporting um, cast. Yeah. yeah, great supporting cast. And I think that they don't all necessarily fill that role, right? Like, um, like D-Man is like a really fun supporting character who doesn't necessarily, you know, um, have to play into this larger arc or whatever, but like is a satisfying and, and likable minor character, which is, again, the thing that often marks a good run. Um, but I think it's also that like the the major themes of the arc are reflected in Sam's relationship with Steve and his relationship with Joaquin, the new Falcon, and his relationship with uh, Rage, you know, this other young uh, black superhero. And, and like the fact that it, it is able to tell a story that is wholly about Sam through other characters as well in the way mm-hmm. that they reflect him or contrast from him um is is really artfully done i think and my only criticisms of the book i think are are like minor technical frustrations that that i ran into i think reading it as compressed as i did versus as as a monthly book as it was of course intended um but we can talk about that you know later um but i think when it comes to what's really important is Sam um, turning into a werewolf? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think I think the book the book does a good job of of hitting the notes it needs to hit to to tell this story well. Um, but also to to Phil's point, funnily enough, um, not taking itself too seriously, like allowing the 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 real major story to be serious but still allowing there to be places for levity and fun because at the end of the day this is superheroes right so there there has to be some room for that after Um, all we learned that red wing is a wrestling fan i love that that was so good (laughs) like a big wrestling fan (laughs) um yeah and and i think that um the fact that we can juggle those things effectively is it it leads to what is you know uh i think a, a satisfying monthly superhero book for sure I, I don't often read Marvel. Um, oh, here we go. All right. <laughs> uh, I don't often read Marvel books. And so I, I kind of felt like as I was 
going through it, um, I could feel sort of like those biases coming up where I'm just like, all right, I get it. This is, he turns into Wolverine. This stuff's get, getting like a cheesy to some extent. And um, it took me a little bit to get settled back in to the sort of flow. And I think to, to Spencer's credit, um, his, uh, I don't know if you guys have read his, uh, the fix on image comics. Like that's just like goofy uh, police bullshit stuff. And I think I, I started to sort of picture the the style there mixed and intertwined with this and that sort of helped me acclimate a little bit better so um i think i was uh, i was definitely trying to account for the fact that i have a reluctance to read superhero books um and sort of just like figure out what it what it was uh, for the details and and for what it was trying to say so are you saying you're reading the fix helped you relate to the americops more marco uh, it helped me relate to the Americops and to a few of the senators, I think. Oh, no. oh my god, no. Wow. Marco, you always side with the villains, but this is not <laughs> this is not a book to side with the villains on. Um I I forgot to answer the other part of your question, Sean, which was how I felt about Sam as as Captain America. I I love that decision. Um, because I think like in the way that the mantle has, has been passed before to, to Bucky, right? Like who better than than Sam Wilson, right? Um he's one of Cap's closest allies and like that you know feels like a natural development but I think the fact that Spencer um used the run to define his time as Cap as meaning something different than what it meant for Steve or for Bucky um is something that I think uh was smart and and really well done um because I think it could have easily just been retreading you know um some of the similar kind of beats that we saw when, when Bucky wielded the shield. And I don't think that would have served the mantle or Sam. Well, um, whereas I think this serves both well. Yeah. I, I was a, a big fan of this book when it was happening. Um, I was very, very underwhelmed by Rick Remender's turn with cap. I, he's uh, my second favorite writer and I just didn't understand what he was trying to do. Um, and so, his last gift, if you will, to Marvel before he stepped aside was making Falcon Cap. And I was not happy with that. I love Steve. I wanted more stories with Steve in that role. And I wasn't ready, certainly not, for him to not be Cap. Um, and I was wrong. I was wrong in the sense that you know, it worked out. I think it worked out great. And I think they made a great case for him in that role um, through these stories that, that were told. So um, I, I understand that you guys didn't get the chance to read um, all new, all, all new Captain America. I'm not going to spend much time talking about it, but I do want to um, point out just a couple of things. Um, first of all, I have to mention the artwork. This is one of the best, looking books that was being published at the time. It was uh, Stuart Eminen um, and Marta Gracia. Nice. Insane. Like, what yeah. a team. What a and lineup. This, yeah, this was one of the first books I ever saw him on, and I mean, he just, he, he knocked it all the way out of the park. It's outrageous what he what he accomplished. And Wade Vaughn, Graw Badger on inks as well. Just unbelievable. What a creative team. Um, and the book really kind of puts Sam 
in a in situations that are very reminiscent of Steve's. He fights Hydra. He fights, uh, you know, Zemo and the serpent <laughs> crossbones and stuff like that. Um, but by and large, the book feels like Falcon wearing Steve's costume, but being in Steve like situations. Um, the only times that it really, really delves into, you know, Sam is the first couple of pages of every issue, which show you a bit of his past. Um, so I'm going to skip past the majority of it because it doesn't really pertain too much to what Sam, uh, to what Nick Spencer does, other than to set up some of the problems between Falcon and Steve. Um, so we get into Nick Spencer's run. I'm sure that all of you have heard about Secret Empire to some degree. You probably have opinions about what that was and um, that might color your opinion of Nick Spencer. I want to start by talking about him as a writer. Nick Spencer is best known for his kind of humor that he can mix into serious topics um, and being able to do that in a way that doesn't feel goof, uh, doesn't feel over the top stupid. But Pete mentioned he doesn't take the writing too seriously. Um, doesn't take the subject matter too seriously, and I would say that that's true. Um, for anyone who's ever read Superior's, Superior Foes of Spider-Man or, or his run on uh, Ant-Man, Astonishing Ant-Man, you know what I'm talking about. That's his flavor. How did you guys feel about the way he approached the sometimes heavy subject matter and his style in general as it relates to telling the story? I, 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 go ahead, Marco. You can go first. Sorry. I, uh, I definitely did not like it at, at the start. Uh, it wasn't until after we he got d uh was it he got d like wolfed that it was it was finally <laughs> like i started to finally settle in um i mentioned yeah. again like i i had to remind myself that this was his style and um i couldn't i couldn't necessarily knock it for that because it was being it was it was well done it, it wasn't it was just like a, a personal taste that i had to sort of get over and I think once once I did the moments and the beats felt a little more, uh, they felt a little more consistent. They felt a little more comfortable in my reading, but definitely the first like volume or two, I was not about it. Uh, and the that first transformation, definitely not about it. But it it makes sense as to what he's trying to get to with Joaquin and. Um, uh, and and like the the dynamic he's trying to set there, so like I'll I'll forgive it for that, but I wasn't happy originally. Captain America has been a wolf before. That's drawing from Captain America lore. Mm-hmm. All right, then I guess I wouldn't like it. <laughs> Fair enough. Marco uh, hates Silver Age fun, man. <laughs> um, yeah, this I I did like how this run uh, acknowledged the history of Captain America without feeling like it was trying to kind of just play the greatest hits again you know um i think it's easy to fall into that trap while you're trying to like flex your look how much i know about this character muscles you know um but i don't i don't really think it veered into that territory um in terms of his style i there he has quirks that i found frustrating i don't know if they're things that are true of like all of his stuff but something that like i I clocked, um, again, I think probably because of my 
you know, hyper compressed um, reading experience of reading it in like, you know, three or four days versus over to the course of two years was I was frustrated by how much um, page real estate was wasted by recapping things because um, mm. it happened a lot. And it was like, again, I could imagine if I was reading this over the course of two years and it's like, we're going to reference something that happened back in issue eight. Like you might want to give people a refresher I respect that, um, but it was like such a consistent thing where it would be like, I felt like almost every issue or every two or three issues, it was kind of like, I can skip the first two pages of every single thing because it's like, I'm Sam Wilson. A long time ago, my friend Steve was Captain America, and then I became Captain America, and then this happened, and it's like, I know, I read it, I'm reading the book, like, and I... You know, people are going to jump on. I get it. That's monthly books. And, you know, um, that's probably something that, like, works to his advantage as a month-to-month writer. Um, But I found it to be frustrating trying to get into this and enjoy it at first. Um, Could I I just stop you there? Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. So that was more than likely a Marvel mandate because a lot of books at this particular time are like that. Oh, okay. This, yeah, this mm. was a time where they were really, really hyper focused on reader retain retainment. Mm. They wanted to make sure that um, people never could get lost or be confused. You notice there's a new number one in the middle of the run. Um, it's like issue fourteen, but it's also issue one somehow. Um, Marvel was really, really pushing people not being able to be lost by these stories at all okay Um, so that just explains that but go ahead otherwise yeah that's that's important historical context yeah because if that's something that was happening in all the books then you know he doesn't deserve shade for that um but that was something that i felt myself kind of like brushing up against um but another thing was like i i felt like there were two moments that stuck out to me where like i felt like he had written something at one point that had contradicted something he had said earlier in the run um, like I remember in the issue where Steve, uh, became young again, he's like, oh, I just let some other kid start calling himself the Falcon. Like, what am I going to do now? And then in issue 17, I, I marked it down. He's got a little thing where he's kind of like monologuing about Joaquin and he's like, he, he's the new Falcon, but he didn't ask if he could call himself that. And it's like, well, you said you let him, you know? And like, maybe that's. I think it's just a joke. Yeah, sure. Like and it. like, and it was yeah. just a thing where, like, I probably wouldn't have thought about that at all again if I was reading this month to month. But um, so it was just like things like that that like I kind of noticed, and I was kind of like, I don't know, for whatever reason, um, run me the wrong way. But the the biggest thing that I think I struggled with was um, was how he wrote young people. Um, I think that that didn't come off super well to me like his like woke college villains like i was like all right like it's it's funny but like it felt a little like okay all right um but actually the one thing like i I specifically wrote this in my notes because i didn't want to forget was how many times he used the phrase eye to eye we didn't see eye to eye we weren't seeing eye to eye i know you and i haven't always seen eye to eye and it was like 90 different characters had that moment with Sam. It wasn't just Steve. Well, you say that on the podcast all the time. That's a regular, that's like one of our catchphrases, our funny catchphrases, Pete. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. You know, you know what, Phil? I guess you and I just aren't seeing eye to eye on this one, but that's, that's right. okay. That's right. Um, 
but like at the end of the day these are like all kind of just like minor gripes that were like little things that didn't really detract from the story um they just felt like kind of clunky you know and and i i think that was my my overall kind of takeaway from what about his style like did or didn't work for me like for the vast majority i'm with it um like i said i really liked how he handles minor characters and weaving themes and all those things i think and that's the important shit um but some of the it, there were moments where i felt like i could see the the gears turning a little bit you know and like you know that um that's something that you know you catch in a in a month to month book sometimes too. I I had mixed feelings for the first six seven issues or so. I uh, I find myself buckling when it comes to like an attempt at commentary of certain things in modern culture, whether it's like social media or like the Fox News thing. Uh, it's like kind of overdone. But mm. at the time this was written, perhaps it wasn't as overdone. But I found I found myself thinking of another book that was being published around this time that was doing similar things that I found to be a lot more clever, which was DC's Prez, which was also trying to kind of be a satire of, of um, a lot of the media elements are, that have um, merged the last decade. Uh, I didn't hate it, but uh, it feels tired from a 2021 set of eyes i'd say uh that said i did kind of enjoy the whole serpent solutions thing i thought that was really <laughs> I love that. fun i thought that was really novel i like the idea of just having like first of all serpent solutions as a name is like the most silicon valley like, <laughs> what do you guys actually do yeah type of company name perfect uh and then having like a literal super villain type character uh, in a boardroom it had kind of like the american psycho type thing going on uh and like it's very tongue-in-cheek and self-aware where it's like i guess this isn't the 80s anymore <laughs> right <laughs> uh and i think when it really finds its footing uh, toward the tail end of that arc going into the teens and 20s that i think this book really stands on its own feet uh i don't have a problem with the comedic elements of nick spencer around that time uh superior foes of spider-man was a favorite book of mine i thought that was really really uh, unique um and frankly superior uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I i've never been a stranger to uh what spencer does and uh I think he had a lot of ideas going into this, which is, I think, very evident based on the first handful of issues because they are wordy. But I don't feel the same amount of fatigue that I would from a you know, Brian Michael Bendis kind of wordy book. Like, it feels like a lot of the text, uh, while maybe perhaps a little self-satisfying, uh, he gets away with his kind of tongue-in-cheek smugness, I feel like. Is this meaningful? I don't know if I would say it's meaningful. I think that's fair, but I also don't think it's total page wasters. Either. No, I, that's what I mean is like, I think that's why it works. Yeah. Because it doesn't feel like fluff. fluff. Yeah. You know, like it, a lot, some of his characters are extremely verbose. Like I pulled out a page uh, from, it's like the, the one where they go and meet up with Flag Smasher mm -hmm. and like he's oh, fucking, that's great. 
my, and it's great, but like my dude is monologuing. Like you can barely see him on the page because of how much fucking he says. But it's good, you it know. Feels like it, like self aware too. Mm-hmm. I yeah, feel like it, oftentimes with other writers uh, that do things like that, your Scott Snyder's, your your Brian Michael Bendis's, or whom have you. It's not self-awareness. It's like, we got to get all this information on this page now, or we got to waste time with this uh, quote-unquote snippy dialogue that isn't that uh, snippy. Yeah, I, I I definitely agree, and and I I think you made the point of, like, you feel it more in the earlier issues, because I feel like it is trying to, like, prove itself, and I felt like later on, like, the last arc or two, even, um, the issues are so much more brisk. And there's a lot less dialogue and a lot less captions because I think at that point it trusts that you're along for the ride and you know what what we're trying to do here at this point, you know. Sam, Sean, did you uh, did you dig Sam as a werewolf? <laughs> Sorry, you asking me? Yes. <clears throat> Not at the time. Um, <laughs> what about now? <laughs> I, I was definitely able to find the fun in it now uh, that I that I didn't necessarily back then. Um, I, I found myself frustrated at times with this run the first, the first time I read it, um, as we dive into speaking about, you know, some of the, some of the things that happened, the first couple of issues, um, the way they're presented as kind of like flashbacks with, with him kind of narrating them. Um, I really am not a fan of that, uh, that style in general, that tactic, if you will. Um, it, it, it takes the heat off of everything that happens because it's in the past. So whatever is going to see right now is not going to involve him dying or anything like that. Not that it would anyway, but you just kind of know that this is in the past. Um, so that, that, that style bothers me. Um, but I like what's happening. You know, this, this book doesn't waste any time in showing you what it's going to be about. It sets up the idea that Sam is not is is not the Captain America that everyone wants, partially because of the types of things he does, uh, who he is as a person, but also partially just on a surface level because he's black. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Nick Spencer is comfortable getting into that quickly and establishing this is what you're going to have to deal with. Um, but it also establishes that Sam is as he's committed to this role regardless of who he upsets, even if that's Steve himself. And that's important. It's important that he's a man who can withstand that type of scrutiny and to show us that early. That's not something that Bucky confronted in the same way. Mm. And it's not something that Steve really confronts. Steve is generally universally praised and loved even by – uh, both sides of the party line. You know, he's, he is America's leader. His, their, his, their forward facing leader. And Sam wants to be that, tries to be that, faces rejection, but he pushes forward. That's what makes him special. I mean, even US agent was like the biggest fan, you know? So yeah, that exactly. itself was huge. Yep. Um, and again, this, this first issue does set up the first and second set up that Steve and Sam are not on the same side of things. Um, and that, that's gotta be huge, right? For Sam to be, you know, such a, such a fan, not a fan. That's probably the wrong word, but like he idolizes Steve and he respects him and he looks up to him. 
and Steve does not think he's doing the right things. It it adds a good tension to start because uh, with uh, somebody with like no history, it it makes it a really interesting point to want to dig into and makes you want to sort of read through uh, all the at least the the flashbacks because you kind of want the context and I definitely wanted the context because I was super confused. It's like one, why is he old? But also, <laughs> why why are they like why are they at odds and why would they ever be at odds? Because assumingly they're you know, the bestest of buds, they've been fighting Taylor alongside each other for years. And uh, there's, you would assume they have similar ideologies. And the fact that they don't is one, interesting, but also telling about what Spencer was trying to put down. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was a really interesting way to just kind of get you get you into the story, um, but also get you into what he's trying to say and what he's trying to get across. I I really vibed with that because I think it, it takes kind of I think it took bravery on on his part as a writer to be confident enough in the direction he wanted to take the story to pit the moral center of the Marvel universe about being wrong about something because he couldn't understand it right because you made the point marker right of like they're you know uh long long time friends who you know have always been on the same side for the most part right and like you would assume that their ideologies are similar because in the grand scheme of things they are but like ultimately like what sam is trying to do comes from a place that like steve can't understand you know because he's a white man and he's also the most beloved man in america um and that's not Sam's experience and that's not the experience of the people that Sam is trying to to represent and fight for and that's something that Steve can't really comprehend you know um because he doesn't agree with what Sam's doing but he says like I think that you think what you're doing is right and I respect you for that but I don't agree with it but like it that comes from a total place of like ignorance to where Sam is coming from right and I think that like that was bold. That's like a bold choice on on Spencer's part to do that and to not just like do what I said before, right? To suggest the theme, to pay the concept lip service, right? Um, the fact that like he really is dealing with it directly in the way that like Sam is trying to deal with things directly um, is is I think why it's so it works, you know. It sets up a believable conflict between like characters that you have some kind of emotional investment in as friends, which makes the ideological difference and like the overall themes of the work feel personal to you, the reader, because it's personal to them. Even if that's not something that you have maybe even ever thought about. It also sets the precedent like early on that the run is going to be about people disagreeing but having good intentions and wanting good outcomes and the overall the overall disagreement comes down to just execution and i think that that was interesting and and uh, sean i was going to ask how people felt like to 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 pete's point about spencer writing this book like how what was sort of the conversation around uh the you know the forums and and stuff like that uh, because i i can i can see it as people uh definitely being i mean similar right there's gonna be like two sides of it people being frustrated about him writing from this perspective but at the same time uh people being frustrated that he's writing about it at all 
So there was definitely a lot of that. <clears throat> um, people who didn't necessarily feel like he was the person to, to tell that story. Um, but he clearly had been given the, the ball. Like he clearly had the hot hand at this time. Um, he was pretty successful um, to this point, And I think he had a lot of people's attention. Um, this is after Secret Wars, so Jonathan Hickman is gone, and they need they needed that that next person, and I think um, people wanted to see if Nick Spencer had the chops, um, and this book leading into Pleasant Hill, leading into um, Steve Rogers, Captain America number one, and culminating in Secret Empire, I think you can mark the trajectory of how popular he was because by the time the thing was... By the, when it started, people were like, okay. And then at some point, they were like, yeah, this is really good. And then you get into, like, Steve Rogers, Captain America, and then it's like, wait, no. Screw this guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Secret Empire, everybody was just done with him. But a lot of people who, who actually read it and gave him a chance uh, really enjoyed it all the way through, like I did. Um, I think he does a good job of kind of uh, distilling two separate kinds of like Americas here. Yes. So there's uh, an an idea of like American antiquity of like you never talk about politics, that kind of thing. And uh, Steve, for all his years as Captain America, in the way Spencer's telling it, doesn't dive into politics. He rises above the things that are partisan. To focus on things that are plaguing the country, uh, you know, whether it's from space or uh, from you know, other countries or terrorists, what have you. Uh, and even here in this book, he is tried, you know, they try to lure him into saying something, you know, inflammatory about Sam and he won't do it to the media. That's like an old, like, I feel like those kind of elements that Steve really shine through here in this early part of the series. But then when he, when they talk together and as Sam's leaving, Sam really illustrates the, the core fundamental difference here because he has a thought bubble that says Steve Rogers in his heart believes that when the chips are down, when its values are at stake, his country will do what's right. And me in my heart, I can only hope it will. And that's a really good kind of example here. You know, like Steve has confidence in the legal system. And that's something that's going to come up further down the road in, in this run is like, you know, Sam clearly doesn't have confidence in the legal system. Uh, he has no reason to. He has no reason to, exactly. Uh, but Steve's the type of person that, that has to believe fundamentally to be like the, you know, uh, idealized Captain America that the system has to work. But even deeper than that, in his experience, it kind of does. Hmm. Um, and that's something that it's not even about him being a good or bad person at that point or him being right or wrong. It's, like it's just more about his experience. For him, things kind of work the way they're supposed to. Yeah. Um, ideally. Whereas for Sam, they just don't. Sam and people in Sam's life. Look at the one of the flashbacks we see a little bit later on is the way that Sam is, is um, picked up out of jail by Captain America, Captain America has to go in and say, hey, he wasn't even the, the perpetrator. You got the wrong guy. 
and you let the wrong guy get away. And once they see Cap, it's not a problem. But it took for him to walk in through those doors. He's not doing that for every black person. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and right, like, I, I kind of read that as, you know, like, Steve is the kind of, you know, like, um, you see a lot of, uh, like, older, like, Democrats, like, white <laughs> Democrats who have that kind of attitude, right, where it's like, they would look at that and be like, that's awful. Like, that's abhorrent. But that's, like, one bad cop, right? That's one, oh, this was a, this was a, a outlier situation. Not that this is the reality every fucking day and that not every person who ends up in this situation has a Steve Rogers to come walk through the door and be like, you had the wrong guy. Right. Um, shifting shifting gears a little bit, we, we, we talked a little bit about the Cap Wolf stuff. <laughs> and... You know, I, I don't. There's not a ton to say, but I, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about it. So, Doctor um, Malice. Nah, you could be remiss. It's okay. <laughs> he he's uh, an associate of the Power Broker. Uh, of course, if you watch Falcon Winter Soldier, you know about that character. Um, Doctor Malice is typically associated with him, but for the show, they cut him out. Um, but here. He is experimenting on people and animals and turning animals into people and yada, yada, yada. He's got a little bit of the carnage symbiote in him. It's a great time. Uh, <laughs> making making Sam turn into Cap Wolf is funny. But for me, in my mind, it made me think like, man, you know, um, you already kind of get othered as a black person. And... You know, now you're a wolf walking around, getting made fun of by everybody around you. You know, you're viewed as as literally the other now. Um, that's what stuck out to me. I don't know if that's what he was going for. Yeah, and also we're trying to establish Sam Wilson as Captain America here. Within the first ten issues, he gets turned into a wolf. Like, yeah, within three. Yeah, exactly. We're, yeah, you're right. And we're trying to build a foundation here. And it's immediately sidelined and kind of turned it into like a joke. Yeah, but like yeah. twenty five issues or whatever. This happens. Uh, obviously, this is, this wouldn't work fundamentally to the narrative. But if this were a thing to happen later in the run, I don't think it would be as big of a deal. The fact that it happens as early as it does is, uh, I found it really. I, I think Marco's as much as I've been making a joke of it. I think Marco's apt in his kind of uh, frustration. Well, I, I, uh, so are, are you, you're responding specifically, uh, Phil, that like, like you didn't like that that had happened that early? Yeah, but I, I, I totally, like, I could see why it would rub you the wrong way. Cause like, we're trying to do something here. We, we are, but I think it made, it makes sense for the larger story because he's just got the job and he goofed. He goofed in such yeah. a way that it's visible on his person that it, uh, uh, from the context of somebody who doesn't who doesn't already like him they're gonna go well fucking look at the new captain america he's a fucking wolf now right like this is the guy who we got to replace the perfect idol that is uh that that is steve rogers and i think for that it was effective um and that's obviously after sort of thinking through what the the humor aspect that of spencer's writing is and and for me it didn't work just because of like he just looked goofy obvious like aesthetic wise um and but for what it means like later down the road and for sort of setting him up that's his first l and he doesn't need that right now he he needs he needs a win yeah 
I I literally agree with everything that was said. Like to all of those degrees. Like it works in some ways, it doesn't work in others. I think the the point that um that Sean started with and the one that Phil landed on are the two that stuck out to me the most of like I think the the othering of him in this other, you know, this deeper way, I think um works on a narrative level, but it happening so early does feel like jarring i feel like when you're trying to get in the rhythm of the run and understand like what is what what's this team like and what's sam as cap like and, and all these kinds of things and i just i feel like um it was definitely something that like the the goofiness the funness of it like is something that i i think is is cool but it does feel a little atonal um, with where it happens in the story and and the fact that it is such a serious story uh, to begin with and that like that gets played like almost explicitly for humor you know it, it feels like Spencer was trying to like one thing that's abundantly clear here is that Spencer is writing a story with real life reactions influencing the narrative you know everyone in the book is saying Captain Communism Captain Socialism they're talking about you know, all the stuff we hear all the time from, like, alt-right type people about, you know, diversity or whatever. Not even necessarily alt-right people, but that type of criticism. And it's influencing the story. So I feel like what he's trying to do here is he wants to kind of cool it down a little bit. Like, guys, it's just comics. Look, he's a wolf. Let's not take it so seriously. But that... He's he's struggling to walk that tightrope when he's also trying to tell like a meaningful narrative early on. Yeah, I mean, I, I see where you guys are coming from. Um, I really uh, this run got a lot out of that that I um, didn't necessarily the first time. First time, uh, I probably would have agreed lockstep with everything that you guys said, but um, I think that doing this to him sent a message to me about like what this run is about, you know, um, that I didn't get the first time. I only, I only got it now. Um, but I really, I really enjoy, I really enjoy that he did it. Um, it's disarming. It's funny. It's intriguing. Uh, but it's also deep. And, um, yeah, I really, I really liked it. And also, you know, if you, if you're a longtime fan of Cap, you get the, hidden advantage of knowing that this happened to Steve. So if you look at it from the perspective of what Marco was saying, like, man, he just got started and he's already failed. Um, This guy sucks. Well, this happened to Steve and he hadn't just started. So, you know, this is what it is. Um, But he's under so much scrutiny that that's how people would take it, even his friends. I will say, too, I I do like how um, Spencer does, like, a good job of, like, setting up pieces that come into play later and the fact that like that is the first arc and like at that time in the book the most important thing is like oh yeah like fuck sam's a werewolf and like everybody's giving him shit and like you don't think about the fact that the long-term ramifications of that arc are really like joaquin sure yeah absolutely um speaking of which joaquin is a character in falcon winter soldier dude that Um, blew my mind uh, yeah. When when we got to him, I was like, "Oh, oh, fuck!" It's <laughs> like, so this is somebody. What are, are we going there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are they gonna do with um, his eyes? <laughs> I was thinking about I that. Him. I was like, "Dude, I liked him. Oof. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, I thought he was a I thought he was a good foil for Sam cuz the Sam uh I feel like given like the pressure that he's under especially, he like felt a little bit like laced up. And the fact that like all of his supporting characters like you know, like Misty cracks a lot of jokes, right? In like kind of like a tough love type way. D-Man is this very just like, you know, lovable goofball, you know, himbo muscle guy who's got his back and whatever. That's cool. My ears are burning. <laughs> yeah, that's you, Phil. Um, but then obviously Joaquin is like this young, you know, like radical compared to Sam. And like... He is like a voice of um, of dissent that like often uh, forces Sam to act um, and gets him to places he wouldn't get to. Right, like the fact that they are able to have Sam and uh, and Rage make amends through the power of wrestling. <laughs> yeah, listen, if Sean and I ever get in a fight, that's how we're gonna resolve our differences. <laughs> yeah, but I hit you with a stunner, and then uh... <laughs> I'm gonna sell for you. There you go. Um, yeah, and you know, this at the start of this story, Sam is is kind of the radical in the eyes of yeah. the people, in the eyes of the government, and he starts making compromises. He starts, you know, sacrificing his beliefs and morality for what he thinks is the greater good. And Joaquin is 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 always kind of there to check him and say, No, we need to push further with this. We can't placate these people this is this is awful our you know our city is burning and you're and you're making um and you're making uh you know you're, you're putting olive branches out to people who are killing us essentially um so yeah I, I really enjoyed his role in this and giving sam a a falcon i think was pretty funny a little like an a human falcon i uh, the there was a for the entirety of the run like I get suspension of disbelief in comics, but I had no idea that his one of Falcon's powers was being psychically connected to birds. Uh, the first, the like, and and I didn't know that um, uh, his buddy, the the bird friend, was the bird friend's name. Red Wing. Yeah, I didn't know Red Wing was actually not a robot because I don't know him from not the MCU. <laughs> and I'm like, this is so stupid. Oh he's an actual Falcon, and he's psionically linked to him mentally or whatever the fuck. I'm like, okay, dude, are you kidding me? No, Your no, fucking I fucking favorite comic book character is Swamp Thing. That makes but it no goes out of the mud, bro. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, so it makes sense that a man we can be one with mud and fucking sticks, but he can't have a psychic link with a bird. This is ridiculous. That's funny. Um, I, I bet a lot of people would have a similar reaction if they were to see what Falcon's like in the books versus the comics, because you mean the movies? I think that Oh, sorry. <laughs> the, movies, the movies and, and the TV Versus shows. the novelizations of the MCU films. <laughs> hey, man, that, that Avengers Infinity War one's real good. No, <laughs> I didn't read it. Um, but yeah, I like this new Falcon. I think he's pretty cool. Um, and I think he adds a lot of value. Um, I fuck with Red Wing. And I definitely like Red Wing. Red Wing is awesome, especially now that he's a vampire. Red Wing um, has a oh. 99.99% approval rate on this podcast. Dude, that was a good little visual joke 
for sure. Yeah, that was I like clever. the idea that the whole country can get behind Red Wing. I fuck with that. I also thought it was really funny um, that he was a vampire. That was something I didn't know. <laughs> that's from the the six Rick Remender issues. I mean, that's dope, frankly. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also I thought it was really funny when uh, when they go to Claire and, and she's like, "Oh yeah, I mean, apparently vampirism doesn't actually affect birds the same way." <laughs> Just like, sure, <laughs> yeah, cool. That was good. That was good. It's like, yeah, we'll just throw that out there, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, how can we give Joaquin a healing factor? <laughs> like, no questions? Cool, let's go. It's like, right. oh, yeah, Red Wing's a vampire. That'll work out. Shit. <laughs> it's comics, baby. It's great. Don't get me. No, it's fucking wonderful. It's just fucking hilarious that, like, if I, if, if, if you were to, like, try to explain Joaquin to someone, like, oh, yeah, like, what's his backstory? Like, how do you get his powers? It's like, well, you see. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Um, so let's, let's jump ahead a little bit. Let's get into the Avengers standoff Pleasant Hill stuff. Um, first question that I have, because... This kind of almost comes out of nowhere if you only read this run. What did you think was happening? I felt like it was contextualized well enough where, like, I got the broad strokes of the conflict, you know, where it was like, okay, like, uh, Maria Hill had mentioned, you know, the the whole, like, pr- the, the cosmic cube. Yeah, so. the cosmic cube. We're going to. you know change future crimes and all this stuff and or no sorry that was the that's civil war two um but the uh (laughs) that we're gonna like rewrite people's history and whatever and whatever like that had already been established so when we got here and it's like okay maria hill did it and did it behind everyone's backs and this is already like in the middle of it you know i just kind of felt like spencer did a good job writing it from sam's perspective of, like, he needed to be caught up because he didn't know what the fuck was happening and neither does Bucky. So they get filled in and me as a reader, I'm like, all right, cool. I'm with it. I get it. Yeah. Uh, I think it it made sense. Um, I think this was the one of the moments where after this arc, I definitely got more into the rhythm just because I felt like he wasn't, uh, Sam wasn't being, like, as... It, involved quite yet with his own sort of situation he was still sort of fixing problems with shield and with um and still trying to fix his relationship with with uh with steve which was fine but uh it was this part wasn't gripping me as much i thought it was an an interesting you know moral dilemma the the question as to whether or not they should change people's entire personalities and and sort of get them to become more uh docile i thought that was interesting and something that i would have wished had been explored more considering where i thought the series uh, at the start was kind of going i thought they would hit that uh on the, the that nail on the head a little bit more but um it was fine there wasn't any confusion i didn't it, it just wasn't uh one that struck me necessarily well, the fortunate thing, no way will this impact Steve Rogers, so like we don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Yo, tell me not. I, I'd probably be a citizen of Pleasantville. Yeah, you would be. 
So you're not docile. Re- so I really love this issue, Captain America uh, Seven. Um, it's the 75th anniversary of of Steve and Cap, and um, I think it's it's really good for a lot of reasons. Um, and some of the like other stories in the book that are there to celebrate Cap are, are quite good. Um, not necessarily our focus, but the Pleasant Hill story is uh, it's really great. I think it's one of I would say it's in the upper tier of my Marvel events, at least how I feel about them. Um, Nick Spencer is the architect of Marvel at this time, like I said. Like, a lot of the things that he's into are the things that are getting explored. Um, and so he wrote this story, the, the, the Pleasant Hill, um, event. He wrote it. And what it's really asking you is, like, how do you feel about people, bad people, quote unquote bad people, people we have decided are bad, um, getting second chances or should we lock them up throw away the key you know are they fair game for us to manipulate and do what we will with um and you kind of see the seeds of something like that being being planted um with diamondback in the prior arc where you know she's a good person obviously she's been in trouble before but she went straight um, but there's not a life for her post criminality. Um, and all she can do is be a stripper. And, you know, her boyfriend has this terrible thing happen to him overnight where he needs help and she doesn't have the money. And so he dies. Um, and so she turns to crime. And, you know, he's dealing with those kinds of questions. And I love that, um, especially when you consider that Sam is a person who has been you know, castigated, cast aside in the past for things. And he has friends who are dealing with that, as we will see later later with Rage and, of course, Diamondback being his friend. Um, So there's a lot of, you know, heavy stuff at play in this particular arc. If you've never read the actual Assault on Pleasant Hill event, I highly recommend it if you care about those types of things. Yeah, with that context, if that's if that's like where this piece stems out from, that's much more interesting, I think. Like, yeah, it certainly is. Yeah. Um. Okay, so we also get our first glimpse of the the Falcon Winter Soldier dynamic duo. Of course, um, Cap and and and, and uh, Bucky have a few really strong moments here as well. Play off together really well here, and I think Spencer has a great way of kind of making them con- uh, contrast from one another. And I think reading this alone, you can see how these two characters could have a TV show. Yeah. Yep. And you, this is likely some of where that inspiration came from. And you certainly see that in the MCU too, even leading up to this, because uh, like Civil War and stuff like that. Uh, it's good. It's really good character stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, again, I really love this issue. I think there are some really tremendous moments with Steve as well. Um, you know, he's an old man and he doesn't have powers the way he used to. He's not strong the way he used to be, but he doesn't stop fighting Crossbones. You know, even when Crossbones is going to kill him, he's willing to stand up and say no. You know, regardless of what's at risk for him personally. 
Um, and that's something that, of course, we all really love and appreciate about the character. Um, and in the end, as he's about to die, uh, Kobik, the Cosmic Cube made flesh, gives him his powers back, restores him to his youth, gives him his powers back, and Steve's back. I, I like that. Um, I thought that after I read it, I'd feel like it was like a sort of ham-fisted way but to, to get him back to that spot. But I think it was done well, especially in the context that you, you laid out right now, where you know, he, it was all about him not, not giving up. And in, in that moment, too, he actually uh, he has that flashback when he was little and he was getting kicked down to the ground. Um, which I think it's exactly. captured really well in the in the films also. So like I was able to bring that connection, that emotional connection that they, that I think they got really well there, and to see it played out here was really interesting as well. It, overall, that that moment worked really really cool, and uh, I I it would have been interesting to see more of Kobik, uh, and I wonder if maybe in, in the Pleasantville stuff they you get a little bit more. Okay, yeah. A lot more. Yeah, so like like all, all that stuff would have was really really cool, and I'm, the flavor I got here was interesting. But um, I definitely would like want to take that that full bite for that event, if anything. So glad you said that. I'll hold you to it. Damn it! You guys got to play Super Smash Brothers now. God damn it! <laughs> you know things resolve with Kobik, and you know we'll save that for another podcast. The biggest thing that comes out of this for Sam Wilson is that the decision is made that he stay on the job as Captain America um, and not just, you know, hand the shield back to Steve and, you know, pass things up. And that changes things for the run because before, you know, people were frustrated with, with Sam as Cap, but he, there was no alternative really, but now Steve's back and people want him back. There's a hashtag, um, give back the shield Take um, back the shield. Take back no, the shield, give rather. back first, and then it becomes take when U.S. Oh, agents got involved. Yeah. Oh, damn. There you go. Um, and you know it's obviously a huge deal. Um, and it and it it puts him in a totally different position. Um, seeing how that plays out, how that's a manufactured movement by and large, um, it says a lot about where our country was at at the time. Mm-hmm. Um. And I love how Nick Spencer is able to utilize the way the world has changed and to present this situation with a level of like groundedness, I guess, that's, that feels true and right. Definitely. Uh, Sean, you, so you said that you originally didn't like the fact that Sam became Captain America. And uh, when this moment happened, when you were reading it originally, what was the, the reaction? Similar. Similar. Uh, I really just wanted Steve back as Cap. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of just like that when it comes to this stuff. I, I want, you know, I don't really want there to be someone other than Batman or Bruce Wayne wearing the Batman costume. And I'm, I'm that way with, with Cap as well. I feel like Steve Rogers is Captain America. I've changed some of that. I feel probably harsher about it when it comes to Batman than Cap because Cap is a symbol. And I don't really see Batman that way. Uh, Batman is very much a product of Bruce and what he went through specifically. Now, I, especially in the context of what's to come, I'm so glad that they that they stuck by this decision. Yeah, you're good, man. Cap came back. Everything was normal. Nothing bad happened with him. You know, Nothing never at all. <clears throat> um, before we get 
too far away from this, I do just want to call out uh, what was one of my favorite comedic moments, which was when they're, they're like trying to find Kobik, and then they're like they they send Craven, and his big plan is to set up oh a fucking God. children's tea party. That's amazing. I thought that was so fucking funny. Like I was cackling the part where he's like, "I have it up," and he goes, "Oh, I wonder who will come to my party? Who will have tea with me? Who will open all these presents?" And then they're like, "Now what?" And he goes, "Now we wait," and he puts on a fucking birthday hat. So Incredible. fucking funny. And like Incredible. Craven is such a clown character sometimes that you're like, I buy that. Like <laughs> it's it's so good. Great, great moment of comic relief. <laughs> and again, one of Nick Spencer's, you know, uh calling cards is taking villains who aren't necessarily at the top of the tier and making things happen with them that are funny or engaging or whatever, and that's an example of him doing just that. I don't know Craven to be that way. So when I read this, I was like, what the hell? Um, in retrospect, this moment is extremely funny and it works it works well. It makes sense. He he gives a lot of like really minor characters shine. Like I like there's so many like D fucking E list Captain America villains. Like he's like, ah yes, the slug. Like of course. <laughs> you know <laughs> Well that was the whole superior foes of Spider Man run, is giving all the, the D listers a little moment to shine with some comedic relief. Exactly. It's a good device. Again, as we as we get into the next phase of this story, we're introduced to the Americops. Mm. And at the time, I was like, okay, where is this story going? <laughs> uh, um, probably because I was exhausted by what was happening in real life. And so I didn't necessarily need to see it replicated here. But this arc... The, the the Civil War two part of the story, I really thought was incredible this time around. It made me question why people hated Civil War because I hadn't read it because this stuff was actually pretty. This is the part of the run that got interesting for me, and mm-hmm. uh, in in reading it, and uh, I, I, whenever you finish a book in Comicsology and you like scroll past the pat the last page, it'll restart the book. And I had the moment I was like, oh shit, this is Civil War two, like. What is go, it? Go read Civil War two then, Mark. I know, right? And then, then, then that was that was the question. I was like, ah, shit. Now it's like, is that like interesting? Like, what yeah, do no, I? Please, please go read don't, it. Don't do it, Marco. Don't do that to yourself. <laughs> but it was a it was a good conversation, and it was something that um, we at the start of this we had uh, had asked the question uh, or made the comment that it was bold for Spencer to do this, and I think it was a good decision on his part to be able to use. Uh, Sam and to be able to tell this story because uh, at least for me it it felt relevant and it felt uh, it felt somewhat authentic it, it, for the conversation and for what he wanted to get across to audiences and I think he got it across well for me as to like what the the allegory there was but also his whole point I feel like this is my favorite part of the book hmm I feel like this whole, like, this is where that flashback that we talked about takes place. Like, this is like, this is like, I think all of the stuff in this book feels contemporary, but this felt especially poignant now, you know, and in the context of like this conversation that we're still fucking having all these years later, um, makes it feel like. It's one of those things where you like you read it and you're like depressed that it still feels poignant, 
you know, or that it still feels relevant. But I think that speaks to why it was important to have been written. So yeah, I think it's it's really funny that this is like the best part of the book, or, or at least among the best parts of the book, given that it is a tie-in to an event that is, you know, reviled <laughs> quite a bit. That's the way it goes sometimes with giant events. Um, yeah, I also really enjoyed this. Um, it, it plays off really well later with all the Steve stuff too, but like the Americops being like this extremely like fascist wing of, of the government and this uh there these like super powered police officers that are just there to just bully people. Uh it was issue eight or nine where in the in like the very beginning they're pinning down a black man. You know, just read all this in the middle of Derek Chauvin trial and it's just like all you can think about the entire time is the stuff that is still happening. What's great about comic books is that it's able to tell a story using allegories that only comic comic books can do. So like the Americops is such a goofy ass concept, but it works in trying to explain and to portray uh, a reality that's been taking place in this country. It's really, really good. And then we really, in this part of the story, we're able to like really get familiar with what, Sam Wilson has to offer as Captain America, whether it's providing the eulogy of Rhodey uh, or later having to deal with the entire legal system with rage. Like this is where he gets to shine. And I think it speaks to the problems that he uniquely faces as Captain America, which is again, right? Like the, one of the strengths of the run is that it, it really does make Sam his own cap. And, like, the fact that, you know, with Rage and the Americops and all this stuff that's going on, like, you know, Sam, and he's criticized for it later, right? Like, he he compromises his values a lot um, in this part of the book because he is cracking under the pressure a little bit, you know? Like, he he's getting hate, you know, on all sides. And even the from the people that support him, he's getting a lot of criticism, you know? Um, there's at least one or two times where Sam's like, I'm, you know, I'm getting really sick of like everybody telling me that I'm doing the wrong thing, you know? And you can, you can really see that exemplified in, in like the, I think it's around issue 12 and then 13 where there's like the actual conflict with rage and the Americops and then Sam gets brought into it and he's like trying to deescalate the situation because ultimately like he just doesn't want there to be violence. Right. And like, he's trying to minimize damage but in his effort to kind of like you know placate the his critics and try to you know play both sides and and be you know a little bit more like steve and be more of a symbol and all these things like he's failing the people that he set out to help when he initially was like i'm gonna take a stand on things and you know i think that's really it's really well explored in a, a quiet way in this part of the arc through Patriot, um, you know, who's this young kid who is a fan of, you know, of superheroes in general, but like, you know, is a fan of rage and, you know, when rages is, is imprisoned and everything like he paints his face and he, he goes and, you know, throws a Molotov through a bank and, and you know, and like he is, is getting radicalized by like what he's seeing and, and the fact that like, you know, he he doesn't feel like 
like that there are you know like rage is somebody who he sees right who is protecting his community who's representing his values and he's being admonished and like you know treated uh poorly by by the system and being failed and like that how could that not radicalize a young person right and it's it's not until sam you know goes and like gives up the fight that like he's inspired to take it up himself in in a more positive way and yeah like that that is so well executed and again it's like spencer will like put these domino pieces up for a long time and you don't realize that we're driving towards something way later until you're there that that moment though that's um during the trial you're saying right yes yeah i'm, I'm yeah, talking okay. about the those threads are laid here and then you see how they echo throughout literally the rest of the arc and it's some of Got the most it. satisfying parts of the the book are like all kind of laid down in the this like civil war two tie-in period right of like from eight to fucking 14 or whatever it is mm-hmm. so i think that these issues are a great example of how you can take an event that you are forced to tie into and make it work for mm. you. Nick Spencer did not write Civil War II. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis did. And Nick Spencer is telling a story about, you know, um, black people and minorities and what they deal with and what they go through. Meanwhile, Bendis is, is writing an event talking about, you know, locking people up for what they might do, you know, mm-hmm. stopping future crime. And whenever you talk about algorithms or you talk about predicting crime, there's always an intersection between that and racial bias. Um, it's a proven fact and it's something that we know happens. And so it's it's perfect for Sam to have to deal with this during the time of Civil War II. Um, I, think he, I think Nick Spencer took great advantage of the story that Bendis was telling. Um, and I think, Marco, you're right. It does make Civil War II a lot more attractive when you read it from this angle. Unfortunately, that book is not um, necessarily as thoughtful on the subject matter as this one is. It really makes it seem like it's like, wow, this is like a deeply intriguing <laughs> question. Yeah, and it's like, oh, and what? I'm just going to watch Captain Marvel punch the shit out of Iron Man a bunch? Great. <laughs> it is a, It is a great question, and I think the book explores it. But that's all it explores. Yeah. And it does it in like one or two issues. Yep. Especially it, just just the interactions where he's trying to get them on his side and like figure out what what angle they're each playing and to what extent they uh, they I guess quote unquote want to go to war with each other like their temperature checks. But otherwise, does it like doesn't get brought up again? And I was like, damn. All right, cool. I really like that moment. I love moments like that in in fiction where like. It's like the calm before the storm. Like, I feel like there's like 30 moments like that in Game of Thrones where it's like characters that are at yeah. odds are like, we're going to meet and have a civil discussion. But the next time, you know, <laughs> yep. it's very ominous. Totally. I, I like that Rage is both a character, but like that he, he definitely embodies the, um, the persona and he's also representative in in the instances where he goes against the bear cops of um he's personified feeling and i think that's a great use of that character it uh i don't remember if it's at the end of this one is it where no it's i think it's in the in the next volume this is volume three in volume four there's like an issue where they introduce him in like an old 
an Avengers comic. And um, I, the the way that that history gets carried through here is also really well done in that I like the fact that he confronts the police and that he is to the very uh, to the very idea that gets brought out in like the first two issues he thinks he's right and so because of that that's why he's that's what he's acting on whereas right. the people who set this out think that they're right and that's where they're getting reacted upon or initiating or however it is that you're you're going to view it is um a really interesting duality and I, I thought that it was really cool for spencer to linger on and to follow through to what to pete's point yeah yeah i i completely agree i loved rage throughout this throughout this story arc um and i, I do love what he represents you know he's a person who wants to do right he wants to do right but you look at him you hear him yeah and he's intimidating Little do you know, he's probably not older than 21. And he's been around for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, And him being aged up at 13 to look like a fully grown adult is a representation of the way that young black men are treated in this country. Tried as an adult, oftentimes our, our crimes when, you know, when we're young kids are seen as worse because of the way that we look or whatever. Um, and that's what's at play with the, with this character. And Nick Spencer is able to identify what rage is supposed to be, what he's supposed to represent, and play that up to the fullest. Mm-hmm. And I think it works perfectly. And he does a great job of just expressing the hopelessness of his trial, too. Like, uh, for whatever reason, the video evidence gets discarded. Because it could, what it could be, it could be easily doctored or whatever, which is uh, right. insane. No, it's not. It's not um, like it was the proper channels and yeah, cause because of that, it's Sam got it through his you know oh, I see. whole yeah. thing. But it, but it was that's how they contextualize it, Phil. Where they're like, oh, we can't verify Confirm. the veracity of it because it's not yeah. official and it's also potentially illegal in its own right, so it's not right. admissible. And then when Sam is able to get Speed Demon. It's the trial, you know, the jury only convened for 10 minutes before rendering a decision. And it, uh, it really reflects this, like, this hopeless nature of, like, the legal system for someone like Rage. Exactly. Um, and it, it's really sad. It's really sad. Um, but again, well done on Nick's part. Um, I do want to talk about the, the John Walker, U.S. agent part of this. Obviously, John Walker, a character a lot of people are talking about right now due to Falcon Winter Soldier. Um, and here we see them fighting over the shield, which is, you know, uh, something that uh, I think is uh, we've seen a lot. WandaVision, that's right. Right, of course. And John really serves to represent the way that the government feels, the way that, you know, the right feels about what Sam is, what he's doing. Um, and they actually send him to take this guy down. Um, I really like John Walker because he's a character who at times walks the line, at times is on the side of good, but at times is on the side of bad. And whatever side he's on, it's because that's just what he believes in. But his morality is is, is, is wide. Right. Uh, it's a football field law. He, um, I think... I, I, I don't know that he like represented the government necessarily as much as a 
um, somebody who leans closer towards the right on most major issues. And uh, to his credit, I thought it was interesting that he was reasonable in that, you know, I have my disagreements, but that doesn't mean that I have to act upon those disagreements necessarily. And it wasn't until, yo, and this moment blew my mind, right? When, when like they, they send him out and the, the, the issue cuts off and they just kind of like send him out. And I'm like, oh yeah, he's fighting. He's a right wing, whatever. But then Cap's the one that does it. I'm like, bro, <laughs> that was yeah. a good moment. That was a good moment because, uh, um, he might not stand for, um, uh, US agent might not stand for the same ideals as Captain America, but he respects him so much that he will find that wrinkle. And it so just so happens that it, it, uh, aligns with his end goals as well anyway, that he's willing to take the charge. But at, initially he was going to disagree where he's like, I don't want to get involved in your shit because it's not my shit. I have my disagreements and my qualms with it, but I, as a person and as, uh, Sam being a person, he's going to do what he's going to do because, again, he thinks he's right in the same way that U.S. agent thinks he's right. And you, we shouldn't have beef over that, right? We should have, we should have the beef over, um, when someone is doing some fucked up shit. And, and that's the, the line that has to get crossed for both ends to sort of meet in the middle. Um, so that was a really interesting way to use the character in this and, and definitely kudos to Spencer for using him and Rage in, in that counterpoint way. Perhaps it was his admiration for Captain America that prevented him from thinking critically about the fact that Steve was like, we can't have a white man beating up a black man. Think of the optics, but you should do it. Right. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, that makes sense. That's something Steve would say. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I think the, the point that Marco made um, about how he's initially reasonable uh, was what I found most compelling about him as a character. And it, it totally, you know, um, keys into what Sean was laying out about what's compelling about him as a character in general. But I, what I loved about this is that I think um, we, we recently did a, a review of, of Home, which is an image book. And uh, Sean had made the point about how there was kind of like all of the bad guys were these like cartoonishly evil Southern, you know, white dudes. And I liked um, that I thought U.S. agent was a good representation of kind of like uh, the dangers of the white moderate, you know, of like the he's like, yeah, he he's a more right leaning guy, but like he doesn't have any problem with Sam as a person. He probably wouldn't consider himself a racist, um, but here he is going and doing this awful thing that, you know, he's like, oh, I wouldn't do that unless I, you know, had even the tiniest reason to think maybe I should. Um, I thought that that was like a good, a good kind of representation of, of that kind of person and how they fit into the equation of like the larger system of, or not even system, but like the larger problem of systemic racism and, you know, like the kind of like magnitudes at which it exists. Um, because I think like we have this very binary understanding of racism or prejudice in general, I guess, in America where it's like, you think of like racism is bad, right? So bad people are racist. And if I'm not a bad person, I'm not a racist. And like, that's not how that works. You might not like hate someone of another race, but you could still be racist or do racist shit. Um, and I think like being interested in engaging with that as a concept, but not necessarily like that's not what the book's about, but like here, let me introduce that 
as a wrinkle through U.S. Agent, who's a character who naturally fits into this fucking narrative anyway. Um, yeah, it's it's really effective use of an established character in the same way that he did with Rage, for sure. I agree with everything you just said, but I also think it's important to point out that that choice that John makes to go after Sam is motivated by Steve, obviously, and that's supposed to show us how important Steve Rogers is and how much sway he has and what could happen if someone who is as inspiring as he is is telling people to do wrong mm. and how they might be down for it anyway. It, it, it makes you think about things like um, Nazi Germany and people who sure. were otherwise not horrible people were doing horrible things and then in the aftermath of it say, well, I was just doing my job or you know, it didn't seem that way at the time or whatever – that's kind of what that's meant to. Be. Yeah. And I, and I think also there's, uh, there's the moment where he's talking to the governors and, or like the, the senators, the politicians in general, Fucking where he, he's news guy, news guy, whatever. Yeah. They, and, and, and he's saying like, I don't think he should be carrying on now that Steve's back that the, that man is the one true captain America. He deserves better than to have someone stealing his thunder. Even if he did say it was right. He's like, I mean, hell, why don't you talk to him? He should be the one to tell Sam to give it up. They're the ones that bring up, the fact that you can't have a, a white man tell a black man to stand down. His, his rationale is not based on that, um, that race element, which I thought was interesting. It was the fact that I don't, I don't agree that, uh, because Sam, is, um, because Steve Rogers is now back and able bodied that he should th- therefore deserve the shield again because that's his, his right as, uh, the one and only Captain America in his eyes, but it's not on that um, that race based level, which I thought was a really interesting uh, addition. And it wasn't until the politicians include their agenda that it it, it twists that that narrative for him. And then, um, what call it? Uh, then Steve comes out and he's like, "Now, nah, but you got to do this for me." He's like, "All right, cool." Because like he. Uh- <laughs> He even says, right, like he's like, I don't he's like, I don't necessarily agree with Sam or his politics and I never particularly have, but I'm not going to go beat the guy up over it, you know? Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then there's like a short kind of pause where that narrative, the, the rage narrative and all that kind of takes a backseat. And there's a couple of uh, issues that are. I think it's three that are more centered around some of Sam's supporting cast. Wrestling! Um, <laughs> the wrestling issue, which is issue 15, is absolutely hilarious. Dude, oh my god, so good. It doesn't It doesn't even make sense. <laughs> no. but, like, why, why are D-Man and Battlestar wrestlers? Don't know, but it's funny. It's, it's goofy D-Man stuff. D-Man was a wrestler, right? Like, that's canon, I think. Maybe he yeah. was, but it's random. Oh, yeah, super random. <laughs> I didn't know that about Battlestar. I don't. I don't know if, if what that's about. But I'm totally here, guys, for a good bridge issue where we find out a Falcon, a literal Falcon, likes pro wrestling a lot. I have no questions asked. We're here. So good, we're, Redwig. We're doing the right thing. Redwig just sitting on the turnbuckle. <laughs> like no one asked questions, by the way. Yeah, you know, you're in attendance. Like, is that a fucking bird? <laughs> and, and, I, I, and, and someone's like, no, 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 shh, that's Red Wing. Red Wing, guys. He's a celebrity. Totally. There's a reference that I loved in this, and I'm curious to see if any of you caught it. There's a character that's name-dropped, Sawbones. Yes, yeah. I saw. Oh, I did not course, realize that. 
Yeah, yeah. A reference to Bonesaw, played by Macho Man in the Spider-Man. McGraw. Oh, that's funny. Bonesaw I didn't realize that. Ready? ready? I got you for three minutes of playtime. Yep. <laughs> I didn't realize they switched the name. I thought that was his name. I'm like, oh, it's the Spider-Man dude. <laughs> I don't know why they did change his name. They must own the rights, right? I don't know. Probably just, you know, well, they actually probably don't because of Sony. I did. Uh, I was proud of myself. Um, when they name dropped all the feds and they were like NJPW, I was like, what? I was like, oh, New Japan. Wow, <laughs> hey, look at you. I popped for that. Osmosis. <laughs> I wanted to talk about Misty, though, because we haven't talked about Misty. Issue 16 is all about her. And Wait, she really is. Sorry? Before we leave wrestling. <laughs> okay. Because that was a fun issue. Okay. Great what issue. What do you think, Lockheed? What sport Lockheed do you think, sport do you think he's into? The, oh. the dragon of Cape Pride? Yes. Oh, Interesting wow. question. Soccer. Dude, that's that what I that thought. That's exactly what I was going to say. I don't know why, but it uh, soccer. It's canon I say, now. I, I was going to say Foxy Boxing. No. Nah, your your answer's wrong. I could imagine okay. him wearing like one of those, the club, you know. the like a, Yeah, like a jersey. Yeah, and like the fucking scarves that they wear and shit. Yeah. Claire. Damn. <laughs> all right, cool. I'm she hung out in England all that time. He... You know, he picked it up. Um, <laughs> I got to talk about Misty Knight now. <laughs> yeah, so Misty is Sam's greatest confidant in this series. Uh, she is the only person who can really, like, test him, the only person he truly trusts. They have, uh, you know, a love interest in each other for sure, but um, their relationship is deeper than even just mm-hmm. that. And... You know she gives him she gives him crap all the time. She's not gonna yeah. let she's not gonna take crap from him. She's not gonna let himself take crap from himself. She's not gonna let him lie to yeah. himself. And I appreciated that about her character. She's a hard ass. She always um, felt like the adult in the room. Heart. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Sam's like sitting there like oh like I have all these problems and she's like what the fuck ever everyone has problems like go do something about it man like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just random. But was anybody freaked out by the shot of Rosario Dawson as Night Nurse? That creeped me uh, it, out. It was a little. It was a little like Uncanny Valley, you know? Like yeah. it was like, oh, it looks like her, but something. Yeah, wrong. it's weird. I. It always feels off-putting when like a real person is in a comic. I don't know what yeah. it is. It always is. Uh, it's. <laughs> It's disarming. I don't feel that way about Ultimate Nick Fury, but I feel like otherwise I agree with you. I just... Uh, I, yeah, good, that's he was literally point. Samuel L. before Samuel L. was yeah. actually... <laughs> that's. So, uh, this issue, though, it, it, it furthers the theme that we talked about earlier, about how people who are, you know, reformed criminals or who have done wrong in their life but have repented, oftentimes don't have a lane yes. for them. And that's that. That theme is is definitely revisited here. Um, Callie Ryan, you know the the new stilt man. Uh, she used to be bad, but she's turned uh, over a new leaf, and you know she's done the right things. But you know she gets taken advantage of, and there's a a, a sex video put out that appears to be of her, but she didn't do it, and someone created a an uh, a life model decoy of her body of her identity and sold it for sex and that was recorded and put out into the world and um you know there's two things at play one of them is of course what i just referenced but the other thing is the way that 
technology, the advancement of technology is actually not necessarily a good thing for people. It's referenced earlier with the Cosmic Cube stuff. Obviously, that's way beyond simply an advancement in technology, but you can, you can extrapolate that from it. Um, and then this is that as well. The, the LMD in Marvel lore is typically only used, uh, by Nick Fury or, you know, like Black Widow as a means of, you know, um, pretending they're somewhere they're not or whatever. Uh, but here it's used maliciously to destroy a person's identity, right? Well, and, and, um, I, I also like how it it kind of like it's another one of those things that like feels like a nod to something contemporary, but in a way that's like actually useful, you know, and not like doesn't date it in a weird way because like it feels tied to like, you know, this was around the time of like, um, well, that's that stupid fucking name, the fappening, like that whole thing. Yes. But then yes, also yes. like it speaks to, um, you know, like deep fakes and everything, which was like probably a, a thing we were hearing about then for the first time and is like increasingly becoming um, something that we're, we're going to have to worry about. Um, so yeah, and, and I, I really like that. And, and I think it being a, an issue that kind of dealt with um, again, like how, you know, marginalized people uh, just don't have like someone to go to bat for them in that way right and like in this case it's it's misty doing it for women you know and like they make a point of pointing out how like you know these women are denying that this happened but like nobody believes them right so it doesn't matter like it may as well have happened um and that takes away their autonomy you know in in the same way that you know we're we're looking at the same that same thread through rage's story but just through a different lens Meanwhile, we got this fucking guy, the slug, running around, and too many people are going to bat for him. <laughs> oh, man. The slug. There are still a few a few beats I want to hit before we before we close out. We couldn't do this without talking about issue uh, 17, because this was definitely one of the times that the internet really turned on Nick Spencer. 17? Um, this is the... 17, yeah. This is the issue that introduces the bombshells. And those are the college-age kids who are supposed to represent, in a cartoonishly over-the-top way, woke culture. Um, and what it's allegedly like to be on college campuses across the world that are left-leaning and, you know, uh, safe space needing people who don't live in the real world, Right. Um, this pissed off a lot of people. I can vividly remember what this was like. Then and now, I take this for what it is, um, and it's a joke. The same way that he plays with the idea of, you know, rich uh, business owners as being, like, villainous, like, actual supervillains. Uh, the same way he uses the Americops to represent police who take things too far and are over-policing, you know, black and brown people is the same way he turns things the other side. And this story by Nick Spencer, the overall narrative between this book and all his other ones at this time is very much about getting away from the extremes on either end. And I think that that is something that people just weren't really interested in hearing about at that time because of all of the things that were happening in the world. I commend personally Nick Spencer for having the uh, intestinal fortitude to do this, knowing, having to have known the reaction that he would get. 
So I think that this definitely rubbed me the wrong way. Um, and not in like, uh, I found it offensive kind of way, more just like it felt, it felt trite in the way that, uh, that Phil like was mentioning way, way at the beginning of the conversation about how there are certain kinds of commentary, um, about things in modern culture that just come off to me the wrong way. It comes off as a little bit like old man yells at cloud. I felt a little bit of that of like, a okay. Yeah, like this is like you're memeing on something that it kind of feels like you're too old to get, you know, and like I'm not necessarily accusing him of that because I think that you're probably right that it is less that and it is more like a uh, the problem is extremism comment, right? Less than a like, you know, um, like him, like signaling that he's like a right wing person or whatever, right? Like read this book. That's not the narrative. That's not, that doesn't seem to be his values. Um, but I think for me, it comes into a conversation that I think like we started really grappling with a lot more in the, the years kind of following this book a little bit, um, where I think it's like funny to me, right? That like, if you're going to go with, the extremism is the is the real enemy narrative right and like sean you outlined like the the examples are well right-wing extremism are these like super villainous you know business people and everything like that and all these whatever right like these people in power these evil white men in power majoritively um and then the extremism that we're going to make fun of on the left is like college kids who care about people's feelings and like those things are not analogous um, and I feel like it, it kind of falls into like, uh, the way that I, I personally struggle. I used to be a big fan of like South Park and like I, in the modern era, I have a hard time connecting with it in the way that I used to because like the whole, everyone on both sides is an idiot kind of thing. It's like, yeah, but like, ah, I don't know, dude, like they're not the same. And I feel like when you conflate them in that way, like it, it just, it comes off a way that like. I, I don't think it signals anything negative about Nick Spencer as a person or anything like that. I'm not reacting to it that way. It just feels like, to me, it misses the mark as the social commentary that it's um, attempting. You know, like it, it, it rubs me the wrong way in that way because I don't like if that is what he's trying to say. Like, I don't feel like that's a great point. I uh, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, I, I think because it's hyperbolic in the same way that the, the villains or like the more, uh, representative uh, representations of like that alt-right stuff and of harder aligned right leaning people, I think because it is a parody and because it is hyperbolic, those are absolutely comparable and, I think he does a good job in um, making light of those situations. I don't think there's something necessarily that's above parody or above being able to, to critique. And and so when when uh, the one dude jumps over, he's like, "Yeah, this campus is a safe space." Like, obviously, he's poking fun. Um, sure. But but I think also uh, for everyone I, but I, you. Yeah. Ex- yeah. Exactly. That's, and that is funny. And, I think I think that also is though a uh, I think it was somewhat of a commentary. Um, I think that there's room for 
I forgot who the woman was, for her to come into this college and for her to make a statement because as as much as this book has been discussing, it, it's all been about, I don't agree with you, but I'm not going to do anything to you because I, I'm, I'm not that person. I'm not that person. These people are not those people. And we're going to boo you. We're going to critique you um, the same way that Sam is getting that on any end of the stick is um, like, you know, it, it, it fit well within the narrative. It fit well to parody that sort of conversation. And um, if there's some truth to it, <laughs> she throws the bomb and says, consider this your trigger warning. Come on, man. That was, that was the moment that really set the internet ablaze. Was it really? Yeah. That was that no. was where I kind of like rolled my eyes. Like I didn't. No. Yeah, like I, again, I, well, not offended by it, but just like sure, oh, right, sure. Yeah. It, Damn. It, it becomes more clear the longer you read this run, just how much of what he's doing is kind of tongue in cheek at points. Yeah. It's his kind of style. There's that point earlier where the um, the 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 serpent uh, solutions. <laughs> Are talking about what's wrong so with millennials and stuff, and how entitled they are. <laughs> so funny. And it, like that that sets that sets the scene here, and he's very clearly um, making fun of um, a tired narrative. That and we all remember the whole safe space and snowflake thing from like 2017. It, it's it's dialed back a lot since then, but like it, he's just being satirical. I. Uh... <laughs> I did think it was funny how like he had this this woman who's like clearly like a Tommy Laren analog, yeah, for like, sure. <laughs> Easy, Sean. So thinly, so thinly <laughs> veiled. Well, I thought it was really funny too how how uh, Joaquin like points out it's like doesn't help that she's hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. How about how much taller she was? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and the, the fact that she was uh, wearing an all white. Gentlemen, please. <laughs> gotta love it <laughs> yeah so that aside um yeah i i felt like this this was a really good issue yeah. this is where we do see you know rage getting um, brutalized by the americops mm. and you know we, we already kind of dissected where where things end up with rage his decision to ultimately let the process play itself out the way it would for someone who doesn't have privilege in order to showcase that to the world so that they can see, you know, that felt real. That that really felt real to me. At first, I was like, wait, would a person really, like, not want to use whatever advantage they have to get out of this? But it's like, yeah, he would do that because he's not, he's, he's, he's not in it. He's, he doesn't care about himself as much as he cares about the people, his hood, where he's from, who he values, and making things better for them. That's a true yeah. hero. He's willing to sacrifice his own experiences, his own life, to to send a message. And when has life ever really been his anyway? Since he was 13 years old, people have been treating him like a scary black guy. Maybe even before that. So he's had to fight for every th- single thing he has to begin with, and maybe he's tired. And that's the vibe I get. Hmm. I love that piece of the story. I think it was great, and uh, it's it's really sad, but it's sobering as well. Yeah, I agree. I think it. I think it. It really puts that character over, and it's a character who is already likable and being used well at that point. But like, he really comes yeah. across as like, like you said, like a real a true man of principle. It. I really struggled with this, like this arc, these few issues, because 
I mean, I, I, I would have thought that he would fight it so that you could prove that this wasn't what it was and that this was a, a point, like a knock against the AmeriCops and their policing tactics, whereas this went down as like from a message standpoint it got it got across to, to the population right to to the to the people at home it it made sense we all saw what happened and we can make that uh, we can make that um argument but um the law doesn't account for it doesn't it doesn't account for that kind of uh like martyrdom and and i think that I struggled because it felt uh, it felt like he was giving in and for a character who was rage and like the the fight stopped right and I didn't I didn't like that as a as a way to end his arc I feel like the fight evolved like to Mm. me it was it was less about submission or giving up as much as it was like him like learning from Sam's example, but doing it in a way that actually had impact. And I think that that's like kind of what comes home to roost when Joaquin um, criticizes Sam, you know, because like it, it did fall to, to rage to make the kind of difference that Sam wanted to. Yeah, exactly. Rage learned a lot from his time with Sam and the things that preceded this. And he realized that his 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 rage is meaningless. The rage of an individual black man is not going to get it done. But that's all he has. That's all he knows. Um, and maybe there is a better way. Um, and he's trying to get to that through this choice that he makes. Um, and so I really appreciated it because it's different. I think you're, you're probably – I think most of the time – the decision would have been what you're saying, Marco, um, like st- from a storytelling perspective. But I think making this this different choice makes this that much more interesting, even if a, any person might not agree with it. Ultimately, I think it's more. And I well, and I think it's it does speak to the example that was outlined about what we talked about earlier with like Cap being there to bail out Falcon, right? Like that's the same thing in this scenario, right? Like Rage, if he got away with it, if got away with it he didn't do anything wrong if he had gotten off uh he it would have been because he had connections right sure and by the way uh you know sam tries to get him off and it doesn't right. even work right and it call it forces you to ask yourself well how would this have gone down if it was steve that walked through those doors and where is steve for rage you know why is he not doing what he did for falcon um so there's a lot of play there and of course it leads to uh, Falcon quitting. Yeah. Just quick aside, because it's not really important, but I thought it was so fucking funny how when they're like, oh, we need to go to somebody for money. Sam's like, oh, Peter Parker's got money now. I was like, what? (laughs) The idea of him being the one who's going to bankroll anything is still hilarious to me. (laughs) The dance slot. I know you've been reading all that dance slot stuff. (laughs) I love that run. Good old Parker Industries. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Stealth Suit's really cool. Give him that. There you go. Yeah, he quit. And I, I get it. It's demoralizing. 
how can he be Captain yeah. America? Like, uh, who's he the captain? Like, what America is he the captain of, really? You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. And again, you know, such a perfect time for this story to be told. America was divided, extremely divided. Uh, and we've seen that only, well, the jury's out as to whether or not we're as divided now, today, in 2021, as we were at that time. But um, it's still it divided. still feels like the heat is on. Yeah. And, you know, Nick Spencer used this story to talk about that fact. And I think the fact that Sam gives up isn't something that diminishes him as a human and doesn't take away from my belief in him and his ability to be Captain America. More for me, what it does is it's that choice of it's the Isaiah Bradley choice from Falcon Winter Soldier to say this is an America that doesn't deserve you. Yeah. You know, this is an America that has failed you. This is an America that doesn't believe in you. Um, and you can't even see yourself in it in the grander scheme. So why are you doing this? And Sam asks himself that question and he finds he finds America wanting. And so he does give it up. And I, to me, like, <laughs> you know, you said, like, I don't I don't think it it, it speaks poorly of his character at all. And anyway, to me, like that's uh, those are the kinds of heroes that I root for. Right. Like, that's why, um, you know, I love Spider-Man. That's why I love Daredevil. Right. They're characters that like when they get knocked down, they stand back up. And like, this is a low point for him. This is an utter failure of everything that he tried to do. And worse than that, he didn't even pay the price. Right. It was like a young, a young black man who he was trying to inspire lost his life ostensibly. You know, um, he's dying in a hospital bed. Because of Sam's actions. Or lack thereof. Um, and that's a huge weight on his shoulders. And like that is. I, th I think the fact that he. He takes that L. And you know. Ultimately grows from it. And, and you know realizes that. You know. What he was always trying to do. Is fight for the little guy. And like that's not going to be a fucking popular position. Like that's. That's the journey he had to go on. You know, it's also we're, it's worth mentioning that him being Captain America, while like you would think is an incredible privilege, a tr tremendous opportunity. How many people have had that distinction? It's a immense sacrifice of his body, his health, and his time. Mm -hmm. And when he's he's been dragged this entire run. For not being Steve Rogers and for being black. You know, who can fault him? This was another point, I think, in the book where, like, I disagreed just because my, like, my, my, my lived experience is not being Captain America, right? But in, in the situations where I'm put at odds with what my, my station in life, with who I am as a person, I, I don't, the, the, one of the things that I, like, think of is, um, stuff like, like, my my aunt, she's a, a school teacher in um in East New York, right? Where uh, we've we've met with we've we and she's dealt with kids who don't have homes, who are are you know consistently not don't feel like they are going to make it anywhere in in life because of where they're at, and the the amount that you help, the amount that you put out into the world if it's not received by anybody like even the one person matters and for me this was 
a, a little frustrating to read because I just the way that I, like I was uh, ideologically was raised is counter to to what's going on here. And I found that a little bit frustrating for him to give up the shield because he was under that pressure because it because it was something that seemed at odds with where he could succeed. And it 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 got me a little like it, it just it just got me upset with how that was the end goal with the the story for um for Sam. And I I would have liked to have to have seen him continue through that. Because that perseverance, at least for me, is valued more so than the realization that you're up against a brick wall. And if this is the mantle of Captain America, that brick wall is going to stay there, right? But I'm going to wear it down to whatever degree that I possibly can. And if that's the sand of like a, a single piece of sand off of the brick or a piece of cement the person behind me is going to do something similar if they're in a similar situation. And it it's that fight and struggle that rubbed me the wrong way, which, cause he didn't continue that. And I, I get why, but I found that frustrating. My thing is that he does continue it. He just doesn't continue it as Captain. Right. And, and that to me, cause, cause he, at that point he has a position and whether or not he's going to, uh, he, he's going to make it the best that he possibly can be, regardless of the way that people think about it. I, I think, I think I would agree with you if it wasn't so tied to the rage arc, because I think it's less about the fact that he's cracking under the pressure at that point, but that it's like that's the straw that breaks his back. That like he fails, and because of that failure. Um, you know, he like, like rage is going to die. And this is this kid that he had a connection with, you know, and like maybe saw himself a younger version of himself in. Um, and I feel like it's because it's rooted in that and it is rooted in like, you know, what he's trying to do and like failing the youth. Um, it, it resonated with me a little bit more, I guess, than it sounds like it did with you. Yeah, and I, I would also suggest that um, it's not about um, how you get knocked down or what you do when you're down as long as you mm-hmm. get up. Um, and he gets up, and that's what I found compelling is that, you know, he ultimately makes the choice to don the, the costume again because he's able to recognize that this has such great importance beyond him as a and like. I brought up Patriot earlier. I love that it's because of that. Like that like brings the whole thing full circle, right? Is like yeah. his failure with rage is what causes his fall and that is what creates Patriot, which then gives him inspires him to to pick up the shield again, you know, because of what it meant for the people that did support him. And like they're the ones who it was all about from the from the jump, you know? It's kind of like the great power, great responsibility moment in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it reminds me of uh, and Sean. I know you'll know what I'm talking about. The Miles Morales game on PS5 uh, late last year, PlayStation Four as well, um, where the whole thing about that was that like you know Miles was Harlem Spider Man. He's our Spider Man, right? Like he's our Captain America, and like that's 
what he's got to do. Like that's who he's got to stick up for the people that that do look up to him and that see him the way that he sees Steve, you know, and that like everybody else, like the stuff online, all that shit, that's all just noise, you know. Um, it's about rage. It's about Patriot. It's about Joaquin. You know, it's about the the kids that he can inspire and that are going to come after him. And and like you said, Marco, be that next, you know, chip in the fucking wall. Yeah. And that's that's exactly what gets explored in the final arc of this story, which is the Secret Empire tie-in. Now, um, at this point, Captain America, Steve Rogers' uh, plan has fully succeeded. Hydra has taken over the entire world. At this point, with very few exceptions, um, in the actual event, you see that this is not a um, a moment in time. This is a status quo um, that takes place over you know several months, um, and down to the school system, everything has changed. Um, it's a great story. I hope to be to be able to do it as a book club one day. I love. I'd it. I'd like to now, but for yeah, yeah. Um, Focusing on Sam's part, he is literally operating an underground railroad. Like, Nick wasn't even remotely toying with that. <laughs> He's like, do you get the Harriet Tubman analog? I want to make sure it's fucking explicitly clear, guys. This is a railroad. Yeah. <laughs> you guys got mad about the safe space joke. I guess nuance is out. <laughs> Let me be crystal fucking clear here, guys. Yeah, exactly. Um, I really liked him in that role. I was very mad. I was very mad when this first came out. What Everything that Marco just said is exactly how I felt when I was reading this at the time. And when I saw that his response to Hydra was to just like, go underground i was furious especially because the main event does not present uh sam's part in it at this point with much depth so just seeing him as a as an angry guy who wants nothing to do with the with the problem at hand pissed me off to no end now uh i'm very much more accepting of it and i really like it as a bridge to get him back to being captain Mm -hmm. america it's something we talk about all the time on the show. Is sometimes you just have to let a story play out. And yeah. if, if anything, based on how I've never read Secret Empire, but based on how you talk about it, it's the same thing. People were mad about the reveal. Sometimes you have to let the story play out. I I liked it too because I liked how it connected him to his roots. You know, he he talks about earlier like how. Uh, when he was a community organizer and, you know, and doing like um, social work and stuff like that, that he felt like he was really making a difference because he was helping people in a way that was tangible to him. Um, and I, I thought that the, the point you just made, Sean, like this as a way to kind of ground him again in that ultimately, like what he set out to do to be a hero, right, was to was to serve people. You know, it's like help people in need and protect people and, you know, and and be, you know, be a beacon. And when he has the opportunity to do that again, to, you know, don the shield and, and you know, and, and give the speech and lead the charge and, and do those things like, you know, he realizes that it was the right fit, you know, and that it was, you know, the the 
thing that was standing in his way more than anything was himself, you know, and was that was the doubt that he couldn't do it and that like he absolutely could. Yeah. Was um <clears throat> uh, this is probably just me reading really into it, but the um, the the fact that um in the end there was like this cabal of people that were actually running and making the wheels turn behind everything did that minimize anything that happened for you guys um because cap was the reason that he missed the saving that senator and then was the reason that u.s agent kind of went forward against him and then uh, there's just like a lot more of ramifications around there and um did that minimize anything for you guys i think if it had been a reveal in that way i might feel that way um i don't like that i don't like when you've been um i don't like when you've been like thinking you're getting one story and then it's kind of like okay let's reveal it was secretly this thing you had no idea about in the background all along like that usually feels really contrived and it's like how convenient an explanation um whereas this we know that right like we know that our that this steve is not our steve and we've known that for a while or at least i did right like granted the whole hydra cat steve like i don't know where this falls in on that being public knowledge or anything's like obviously i have that knowledge within the reading um sure but i think the very fact that he did any of the shady back dealing shit that he did you know, I immediately would have clocked of like, that's not Steve. Steve wouldn't do that. You know, he wouldn't say those things. He wouldn't work with these people. Um, so I think to me, it kind of just was like the story that's being told in the background that you, the reader, know, but the character doesn't know yet. It was kind of just a natural coming to a head point, you know, in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. When he's at the restaurant with the corporate people, and the way he's just talking about business, it's like, hmm. Doesn't really sound like Steve. Uh, you would think other people would pick up on the fact that Steve is uh, not quite himself leading up to this, but it it, it 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 worked narratively. I think of the whole flag smasher thing where Steve calculatedly made you know Sam miss throwing the shield. No one knows that Steve did it on purpose, but the audience has been threaded along the whole way. It, it narratively works. So I, I do want to add a little bit of the context that I think is missing um, at this, by the time you think that Steve is acting weird issue, one of Steve Rogers, Captain America is already out and Hail Hydra has okay. already been set. Yeah. Uh, so okay. if you're reading along at the time, there's no way you wouldn't have known that. Gotcha. Um, and also um, to Phil's point about why people don't notice he's acting different it's because he's not acting different in front oh, of right yeah you're right yeah um so and at that dinner you're talking about if i'm remembering correctly and i i might be re- misremembering i'm pretty sure that's where um he he gives that dude a command and then they kill yeah. the the senator yeah, that's yeah, there they poison him. and the guys like hail high yeah, yeah 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 cap is clearly cool with that um so yeah uh, <laughs> not, wait it's not the senator what is he because this yeah whatever the he was, yeah the business guy whatever yeah. Sure, yeah. Um, so, yeah, just just wanted to throw that out there as well. Um, 
the run ends and Sam's time as Cap essentially ends uh, here with Captain America 25. Um, and it's it's very much a tie-in in the sense that it's adding context for a lot of things that aren't related to Sam. The biggest thing that you do get out of this is um, is the speech, which is kind of his shining moment in the costume. Secret Empire does deal with this in a way that feels a lot more epic and appropriate based on what's happening in that story. Um, but this is it. This is Sam's last stand as as Captain America. And I like it for the fact that this is what Cap has to be able to do as well. Um, Bucky's Cap could never really nail down his role within the superhero community. He was kind of um, an outsider because of the fact that he is, but you know, the Winter Soldier and he used a gun and blah, blah, blah. Um, he gets his moment in fear itself as well, which is pretty cool. But at this time, during Secret Empire, the world needed a Captain America who wasn't Steve, because Steve is Hydra. And there was no one to inspire people. This is an era of absolute hopelessness. And so Sam putting the costume back on and coming out on Front Street is the reason that the heroes are able to ultimately overcome what is happening. Um, and it's also in conjunction with the, the real Steve coming back or whatever. Um, those two moments together allow them to overcome all the odds, and it puts Sam in a position that he should be in, which is he is Captain America. This is what Cap does. And, and like you said, this is kind of ramping up to the end of his tenure. Um, that was the one thing about this that really bothered me, is like, I feel like this, like this issue where he is like, no, like, fuck it. I am Captain America. Like, the fact that this is... Because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, this is preceded by... Uh, or not preceded by... Followed by the, the run where Cap is like, I gotta ride around America on a motorcycle and prove that I'm a good guy again because he's back, right? Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> um, Because this should be where his... This should be where Sam's tenure as Cap really begins, in my mind. Um, and not to say that none of this matters, but like him putting the costume back on and doing those things and having that moment feel so monumental and, and, and significant and for it to be like undone after this is like frustrating comic book shit. <laughs> um, because I would rather see this move forward more from here and like, have him get to act as cap in a story that's not about whether or not he should even be cap yeah it feels like where we're going from here is now's the time for sam to just be captain america this was the trials and tribulations to like you know the, the growing pains or whatever like i i agree with you there pete who am i i'm captain america <laughs> Reading it in the moment, I was very satisfied with how this went because it, it, Nick was able to tell a full story, a complete narrative for Sam Wilson. Um, him being Captain America is a pit stop in his like existence. And it's a meaningful one that adds a lot of depth to his character. But I always say 
You know, Nightwing is Nightwing. Um, X-23 is X-23. Falcon is Falcon. I would rather he carve out his own identity and move forward with that than ultimately if you're wearing Cap's costume, you're always going to live in his shadow to some degree. And you can't, it's, 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 how do you escape that story? I vibe Um, with that. I just wish we had gotten a more like period of that where it was like he is the accepted cap and then maybe Steve's come comes back and he moves on from it, you know? I think the point is he'll never be the accepted yeah. cap. And if you keep telling stories with Sam as cap, you're gonna keep having to deal with that because if you don't, it's not even authentic. Mm, that's fair. Yeah, I, I and also just given the time and maybe you would feel differently if you read Secret Empire, but like Steve Rogers had to sure, be Captain sure. America again. It, it, it just, it, there was no other way to end that story. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. And I think at the end, we could all agree, you know, Sam's not my cap. No. Can't agree with that. <laughs> oh. Mark, are you trying to take the shield back again? Uh, baby, it never I'll left. I'll tell you what, though. This has me really interested to see how Falcon Winter Soldier resolves. Because I feel like I might get mm. my. Sam as cap stories in the MCU um, because we got to just keep moving forward there, you know? Um, boy, oh boy, do I have thoughts about that. <laughs> uh, oh. We'll see. I mean, we'll see, right? We'll see where it goes. <laughs> well, in that in that space, I think it's perfectly appropriate. I think it's, it's, it's exactly where I want the MCU. Me to. too. I'd love to see that. So did this resolution feel... Because Pete kind of spoke about how it felt unsatisfying. Marco or Phil, did you guys feel that way as well? Uh, I don't know that I felt um, like I wanted the stories to continue necessarily. I think because of the way that I felt about how he gave up the shield, I, um, I, I, I kind of like like that was like the the end for me. So I, I, I don't necessarily agree that I would have wanted it. It would have been interesting, sure, um, but. Yeah, that, that wasn't it for the for the narrative for me. Okay. I guess we have to read Secret Empire, Sean, for me to know how I feel. I legit oh, want to now. It's funny. Um, God, look at his little devious smile. He's all like excited about this shit. Mm-hmm. I was very much waiting for Sean to feel like vindicated after this conversation because like... <laughs> You know, I, I remember like I was definitely critical of that at the time, and I was very annoyed by how it was announced. Like that was really because I didn't read it, so that was what bothered me more was like the media spectacle of it all. Um, sure, but I had a very how what was I'm it sorry, announced? how what like was the reveal of it? I think was in the New York Times, right? Yeah, the hell high. And there shit. was like a whole like it, it felt like a circus around the announcement to like draw hype to it, and it just it rubbed me the wrong way at the time. Um, and especially considering the safe space that we're of all course, in. of course uh-huh. um and yeah I, th- I think like reading this and and seeing the way that the role that hydra cat played in this story has me interested in kind of understanding the rest of it and 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 seeing the conclusion of this you know um properly how do you guys feel about Steve Rogers being kind of presented as the foil for Sam throughout a lot of the story? Yeah. Brilliant. I mean, yeah. I made the point earlier. I think in the beginning when it's old man, it's the real Steve. Um, I think that's that was a really bold choice and one that I think played off uh, or that paid off really well. Let's talk about the art. Um, I didn't 
weave conversations about the art into the narrative of our of our uh, podcast here earlier because quite frankly I think the art was very much uh secondary it was it felt it, it didn't feel important by and large uh Daniel Acuña is talented in my mind there's no question I know Kale disagrees Lee's wrong He's not here. I can say that. His his turn here is a lot a lot of times very straightforward. Um, very sort of this is what it, this needs to look like. So this is what it is. You know, basic paneling, um, things like that. And if you don't like Acuna's style, I could see how this would be uh, tough to get through. Because it's very much in his style, like, um, and 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 like, I don't know. I could see why someone wouldn't like it. Is what I'm trying to say. I I think the pencils were done well. Uh, for me, it was probably the colors. Some a lot of times, like people felt like a little waxy or shiny, and that sometimes rubs me the wrong way. Um, I don't know that it was always on top of Acuna stuff. But um, I know, I know definitely for sure that uh, there are moments like when we got guest artists, like um, Jesus. I mean, there's a huge period um, where he's not on the book. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think in some of those moments, it um, it kind of uh, doesn't strike me in the same way. And Acuna, I think there are there are moments where his facial uh, features aren't always as well defined. Um, I'm trying to find an example, but th- there are moments where he just has like a line for a mouth and it's like there are moments where he doesn't have as much definition um uh but otherwise yeah i I agree it's just kind of it's good for what it is you know there's there's nothing wrong with it structurally i think there's just small um things at least from my end that didn't connect with me just just to add uh this was also at a time where marvel was having a problem with like fill-in artists like it was just it was constant, um, and it plagued books. And you know, I don't think anyone likes filling having having there be filling artists, no matter how good they are. I think Paul Renaud did a great job uh, throughout this. Yeah, book. I liked his um, stuff, and he, yeah, he definitely brought some more dynamicism. And did he do the whole last arc, or is it just most of it? No, he didn't. There was there was some fillings there as well. Um, I'm pretty sure, but. Um, it makes it harder to evaluate the art when every arc or, or even within the same arc, the artists are changing mm-hmm. and they don't necessarily have the same style. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's anything that's especially standout-ish. Like nothing that pops as much. I think there is a few moments. I think of the uh, issue seven, 75th anniversary issue where Cap is turned young again. That that kind of yeah. splash page. That one really stands that out in great. my memory. That looked yeah. really, really good. But I think otherwise, this has that kind of effect that some comics have nowadays where it feels like it's being told from a cinematic standpoint. The paneling is deliberately done in such a way that uh, feels uh, like a movie. Uh, that's not a bad thing. Uh, but it's not an especially creative thing. I, I, at no point did I read these 25 issues and think this looks bad. So it did what it had to do. 
Sure. Certainly. Yeah, I think I think that's generally where I land on it. Um, I think that I don't know. I definitely don't. Um, I don't understand the not thinking that it's good. You know, like I think that that's something where like I just I struggle to see that because I I think it is strong work. Um, but I I would agree that it's not particularly standout. Like I think the Civil War two issues that I outlined as being some of my favorites. I think there are a few really good moments and ones that were are really Oof, memorable. Yeah. Um, yes. The point. stuff with Rage there is like where he's like yelling at Sam on the roof and every like, what are you going to do? Like those are, there's some really good stuff there. I think having a story where the art is really good and, and not stand out is, is fine. You know, like that is, that's a that's a comfortable uh, floor, I think. Um, so I'm I'm kind of with Phil, where yeah, maybe it wasn't you know the the prettiest book I've ever seen, but um, there was no point where I struggled to connect with it, understand it, or 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 like get what I was supposed to be getting out of it. So I, to me, like that's that's a success, you know. Um, I'm not going to bend over backwards to praise it, but uh, I think it was definitely. At the very least, uh, very technically proficient. Yeah, I agree. I think Acuna was a very good choice to showcase the like serious pieces yes. of this book. There are so many um, panels where you know Falcon's face or body are draped in shadow, um, and you know shadow. I think shadow is used to great effect when Rage is in, is in jail and the bars are over him and. Um, so many great moments like that that are not like revolutionary or mind-blowingly crazy, but they're good. As we close out, I know that there are a lot of people, especially at this time when this was, this was being published, felt as though comics in general should not tell political stories. Between this, Steve Rogers' Cap, Pleasant Hill, and Secret Empire... Nick Spencer is telling a story that cannot be divorced from politics, but also can't be divorced from um, social issues, I guess, which people often uh, equate or conflate with politics. I don't think that they're the same thing, and it's weird how often people make that point, but... In any event, there were a lot of people who didn't want to see this. They want to see, if Sam's going to be capped, great, tell the story of him kicking Hydra butt. Don't dive into the politics. Don't dive into the race. Don't dive into this or that. This is a, this is very much a story rooted in those things. How did you feel about that fact? Do you want your comics to do this? I yeah, I appreciated it. I mean, it, it, it's like anything else. You make an allusion to something, and I don't think that that's something that should not be done in media in general. You know, this could have could have easily have been. Uh, something like Immortal Hulk, an homage to horror, and like, but it wasn't. He just wanted to tell a story that was rooted in social issues, that was rooted in politics, that was rooted in uh, finding some sort of medium in uh, where people stand on issues, and that's totally fine. And for me, encouraged because I find those kind of in conversations interesting, especially when you get put those in um, a a situation like superhero books it makes those books a little bit more interesting outside of the the typical punch a bad guy here or there and people people who want that might not be satisfied with 
uh, that kind of storytelling. But if not, I mean, I'm sure you can still come along for the ride. It doesn't have to change your mind. And it doesn't also have to affect the way that you enjoy the 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 book itself, in my opinion. I I can't vibe with people that think that way, frankly. Um, I <laughs> Phil. I Whoa. I mean, like, there's almost no way for me to say this without coming off as kind of inflammatory. But I feel like if you feel that way, it's because you're not that smart. Like, you don't want to be oh, you don't want to be challenged <laughs> by things. Like, you just want like. You just want something that's digestible. And like Sean said, the thing of like people who conflate like social issues with politics. And it's the kind of person who thinks that politics are anything that make them uncomfortable um, or that make them think or challenge their worldview at all. And my response to that is if that's not what you want out of your art, then a comics aren't a great place for you. Um, That is the history of the medium and especially at Marvel. Um, especially with Captain America. Captain America is an overtly political character. I've had to make this point a lot before. Um, the first issue of the book of him punching Hitler was before America had gone overseas. And that was in. There's nothing political about punching nothing. Nazis, Pete. And that was entirely overtly intended as a political statement. The roots of the character are, are overtly political. And to argue anything other than that shows a clear lack of knowledge about the medium that you claim to be such an arbiter of taste in. Um, so, frankly, if that's how you feel, um, I think you're kind of a clown. And uh, I think, <laughs> you know, I, I think like, if that's really what you want, then like go find something else that meets that need and stop bitching about things that are just not what you want to engage with. That's fine. You don't have to like it. Read something else. That's your right as a, as a consumer of media. Um, but the idea that a comic shouldn't be political because it makes you uncomfortable or challenges you or something. Well, it sounds like you need a safe space. Maybe a, yeah, it's just, I think it's childish. Uh, this is absolutely what, comics are supposed to do and you know i think superhero comics have often been a great avenue for political storytelling and for exploring sociological themes in a way that is relatable and understandable um because you can have characters that represent concepts and groups of people and all these things that we just talked about right um it's an effective medium for for political and social commentary and that's why it's been used that way for fucking 40 years. Damn, Pete, drop the mic. Oh, yeah. I, don't drop the mic. That's expensive. Say 40 years, more like a fucking 100 years. What the fuck am I talking about? I'm too, I don't know math. <laughs> Certainly uh, tough to follow that, Pete. That was very eloquently put and very impassionately put, too. Appreciate that. Um, it feels like it's... um. You can criticize the quality of a political piece. That's one thing. You can, if, we, if one of us came on the show today and said that Nick Spencer didn't approach the topics that he wanted to talk about well, that's one thing, right? That's um, called discourse. That's <laughs> called discourse. Of course, it always comes back to you can always consume media that is inherently uh, apolitical. That's a lot of Disney movies and stuff like that. But that's not really what's happening here, right? That's not what uh, people are complaining about. And Pete really summarized that aspect of it very well. And there's nothing else to say in my mind. I'm smooth-brained and I want (laughs) space writers. 
That's that's fine. fine. Space that's fine. Chill. Go read it. It exists for you. Find it somewhere else. You fucking. Babies. But I want it in a Marvel book. I want to read Captain America. Well, go read the last fucking hundred years of Captain America, then, and find an arc that floats your fucking boat. I want to read a book about him doing taxes. <laughs> so, uh, just just real quick before we jump, would you recommend it? And ultimately, you know, did you enjoy it? Uh, yeah, man. Uh, again, with my superhero bias, like I, this is like a solid eight, eight point five, oh, and wow. definitely would recommend it to somebody who uh, either is trying to get into Cap or uh, just wants something a little bit more out of a superhero story. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, I, I'd recommend it to. Um, I think this is one of those books I'd recommend to comics readers. Uh, I think the format. And, and some of the like repetition and stuff that I called out, I, I could see being jarring to uh, um, like a first time reader. Maybe um, I think this is a book that is better probably in the hands of somebody who is used to reading monthly superhero comics um, because I mean, it is very much one of them, but like Marco said, it's going to offer you a little bit more and, and it's definitely um, elevated in that way. But I also think that if somebody came off of, uh, Falcon Winter Soldier and was like I fucking love this and I really want to read a book about you know uh, this something with similar themes about Sam or you know that you wanted to see some of the inspiration behind the show as people often like to do um, then yeah I would recommend it if, as long as you're you know actually interested in reading a monthly comic book and, and all the things that come along with that uh well I definitely would recommend this book to people that want a safe space. <laughs> Trigger nice. warning, Phil. Jesus, you can't just make jokes. Sorry, had to do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would recommend this book. I think it was good. Uh, and I am someone that is on a high of enjoying Falcon Winter Soldier right now, and so I'm glad I was able to kind of read this as a companion piece. Um. I had no real knowledge of the quality of the book back in its original publication. Uh, and I think, I think it really delivered. I think it was really good. Uh, uh, Marco gave it an eight, eight and a half out of 10. I, I think I would give it an eight. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So I've always been an advocate for uh, Nick Spencer's stories from this time period. I think they were excellent. And I always said, even on the podcast, you know, around that time when all of that, because this run was going on in like 2017 or whatever. And at that time, I was saying, you know, people are burning Captain America comics and there's such a negative reaction. Like, go ahead and read the book. I guarantee you, you haven't because I know how good it is. And I know that I can tell when something's good, even if I don't like it. But this was something that was that was very good. Um and Steve Rogers' cap is also very good. The, the whole deal is great. Um, and so I would recommend this to anybody who wants to see Sam as cap, people who want to see Sam um, in situations that look similar-ish to the Falcon Winter Soldier um, television show, or who, who want to see their comics, you know, take the world that they're supposed to take place in a little more seriously, even if it's also a fun book as well. Um, you just reminded me of the fucking, the world outside your window. Remember that, guys? Fucking hell. Son of a yeah, bitch. Yeah, exactly. Fucking. Uh, so, yeah, I love it. I would recommend it highly. 
And uh, I can't wait for us to talk more about the rest of, of Nick Spencer's stuff down the road. Uh, yes, I do feel vindicated. <laughs> um, but the vindication is not complete unless I can convince people outside of this podcast to do the same thing. So read the book if you haven't. If you did, read it for this show. Write in and let us know your thoughts about it. Will you continue to read the rest of what Nick Spencer had to say? Are you interested? Can you stomach uh, politics and social issues in your comics? Or do you need more, I don't know, Captain America beating up Thanos, I guess. Someone who's not, you know, whatever. No politics Um, there. Write in and let us (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I guess guess not. Um, An alien invasion certainly doesn't get political. No, totally, totally apolitical. Write in and let us know your thoughts about that. Of course, you can get us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. You can get us on social at thecomicspals. If you are listening to us on YouTube, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. Anywhere else, leave us a follow, a rating, a review. All those things help us out a ton. They cost you zilch, i.e. zero, nothing. If you want to continue the conversation with us beyond this, hit us up on Discord. Join our Discord server. A link's in the description. Uh, you will have a blast, we promise. If you don't, sue me. Uh, don't sue me. Sue Marco. Um, and we will uh, we will let you guys know really soon what we're going to be doing with the rest of our book clubs, uh, the upcoming book clubs. We've got a ton in the backlog, a ton coming out. We drop them at the, the last Tuesday of every single month, so look for us. We are the Comics Pals signing off. Take See you next month. Guys.